This is Masters in Business with Barry Ritholtz on Bloomberg Radio. This week on the podcast, I have a special guest. Her name is Kara Swisher. And if you are remotely interested in anything related to technology, media, venture capital, CEOs, privacy, the weaponization of social media, and just about anything else you might have seen about technology, well, then you're in for quite the treat. We went for about eight hours. We took time out for uh, sleeping and meals and basically covered everything uh, from the rise of technology, how people completely did not see this coming, what technology is going to do to us in the future, and who the hell is this Scott Galloway guy anyway? Uh, so I could tell you all about it, but rather than do that, I'm just going to shut up and say my conversation with Kara Swisher. This is Masters in Business with Barry Ritholtz on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Barry Ritholtz. You're listening to Masters in Business on Bloomberg Radio. My extra special guest this week is Kara Swisher. She is the co-founder of Recode, sold recently to Vox. Before that, she was the longstanding technology uh, journalist, along with Walt Mossberg over at The Wall Street Journal. She is the author of a number of books, including How Steve Case Beat Bill Gates and its sequel, There Must Be a Pony in Here Somewhere. She won the Gerald Loeb Award for Excellence in Business Journalism and is the co-host of one of my favorite podcasts, Pivot with Scott Galloway. Kara Swisher, yes. welcome to Bloomberg. I'm very impressive. With myself. <laughs> well, you have a, a nice list of accomplishments. Yes. I was discussing your work with somebody, mm -hmm. and they said, she's really a journalist, right? And I'm like, well, she's also an entrepreneur. Yep. She's been very forward in terms of the conference business, in terms Absolutely. of um, the media business, which she turned into a platform. I don't know if it was ever publicly released, mm -hmm. um, what Recode was sold. Was that always private? Yeah, it was a it was a startup. Yeah, we sold it, to Vox four four or five years ago. It was four right twenty fifteen. We had been funded uh, by NBC and Terry Semmel, uh, mm -hmm. who's taken ill now. But he uh, we we got I don't know twelve million dollars from them, and at the time it, that was a lot. But pretty soon it was it wasn't a lot. Right. A lot of content companies. It was sort of this big boom in investing in content and. Many of my competitors got four or five times what I got six months later. As a VC investment. Yeah, I, we didn't have a VC. It was NBC and Terry. That He's was a it. media investor, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I looked around. And I said, "This I can't compete with this much money. It's it's a bubble." Right. And so I sold to Box. I looked. I talked to a number of companies. I sold really quickly after founding. Uh, Rico. Less than five years. Well, no, I I was at All Things D for a dozen or more years, mm -hmm. which was within the Wall Street Journal. Right. Um, and I was at the in the journal for about a dozen, more than a dozen years, and but we had a Skunk Works inside the journal, so uh -huh. it was it was owned by the journal, but we ran it without their input. Really, that's nice. Uh, yeah, it was great. A little freedom. Uh, yeah, and um, they were good and bad in different ways, but. Um, and then we left because we had some uh, problems with them and then uh, had it funded and we were going to do it independently. But then I was like, no way. This is going to things. A lot change. Of money. You have to be really dynamic when you're an entrepreneur and realize, you know, if someone if your competitors all have three times the amount of funding you do, you have a problem. You can't be that good. Right. And so especially in content, because it's about hiring talent. And so 
we sold really quickly within a year to Vox Media. Like, oh, it was, it was fast. that fast. It was I that didn't fast. It was yeah. that quick. Yeah, I was like, you know, I'm I'm really good that way. I know when to move. So that wasn't like a, a hundreds of millions of dollars. No, like an it was exit. A good that sum. was a, a good sum. It was a good okay. sum. Yeah, it was and, okay. And have you I, ever I disclosed stock, it publicly? No, I haven't. I'm not going to here. Um, All right. But fifty uh, million? Did you say? I'm not going to go into it. But it's not. It doesn't worth anything. I own stock in Vox Media. Whatever right. Vox Media sells. But so was. So I won't harangue you about this. But was I'm assuming this was an all stock transaction? Yes, it was. We decided that. Okay. Yeah, you, we could have gotten cash, but we. I felt like why not? Like if I'm an entrepreneur, I should own the sure. company. And I. So I'm in. I have quite a bit of stock in Vox Media. We'll see what happens. I mean, obviously now content's. Uh, Content is now the blooms off the rose there, and you know Vox is quite healthy, but you know the others bloom, uh, Buzzfeed and and Mike of course closed, some of these mm-hmm. others closed, and so and all of media is under stress, and so you know especially if we go into a recession and stuff, so it's just whatever the stock's worth, we'll see, we'll see mm-hmm. how it goes. Quite, quite interesting, but so- I get, I'm very well paid, Barry. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I do, I do okay. Uh, you do okay. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about the early parts of your career. You come out of uh, now. I know you have a master's from Columbia. Columbia. Was that the journalism school or? Journalism school, yeah. I went to Georgetown School of Foreign Service, mm-hmm. uh, which was in uh, Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. It was actually my backup school. Now it's a very top ranking school, but at the time. It... Can I tell you, I, you and I are not all that far apart in age. Yeah. The people who came into, because of the demographics, into college mm-hmm. 20, 30, 40 years ago were dealing with um, relatively easy admissions and then the boom yeah. oh, followed it was, a, it was. the, the did, echo boom made it much more challenging to get in yeah i didn't get in everywhere i didn't get in stanford i wanted to go to stanford but my brother went to stanford um but i uh, i got into georgetown and i was in the school of foreign service and i wanted to be uh, i've said this many times a spy i wanted to work for the cia mm-hmm. and i wanted to do analysis very similar to what i do now right. reporting and analysis right. just with no one shooting at you. yes exactly well you never know um <laughs> and so and i was very interested in the military too in military intelligence and I was gay at the time. That was impossible. You to get into be, the military, you couldn't. You had it was don't ask, don't tell, uh, under the Clinton administration. Mm-hmm. And so I, I always tell. So it was really hard to do that. Um, and then don't in the tell. CIA, we I, haven't asked yet. It's what ridiculous are you telling to not tell. Right. It's such a. It's an it, insane thing. It's can an I tell you? It, it's so Today, shocking. We're like, what? Right. It's so right. shocking to look back just twenty years oh, it's, it's, and say, what the hell were we thinking? Mm-hmm. Don't ask. What are we still thinking? There's all these attacks on transgender people now. Well, Um, we, you know, we're in an alternative timeline now. I'll discuss that later. We're not. You don't think so? This is just what America's like. I'm sorry. You know, put a mirror to our faces. There's a great, uh, there's a great series going on. it's the sixteen nineteen series in the uh, yes. New York Times, and it's, yes. you need powerful. to read that. It's yes. powerful. No, it's and really... Let me just say, this is what we are. And if you, it's part of us. It's not every part of us, but it's not this dream of being this incredibly meritocracy with everybody getting a chance. It's just not so. It's not so. So let me fast forward to a question I'm gonna was planning on asking you later. How much of of this that we're mm-hmm. discussing here is a function that fifty years ago, if you were a crazy. Um, Nazi, racist, mm-hmm. uh, homophobe, whatever it was, you would be the guy mumbling to yourself outside the, the library, but you didn't have the ability to coordinate nationally. Yeah. Well, that's another issue. The way you uh, by the way, today. there were tons of them. And people, the things people said to me 30 years ago about being gay was just astonishing. Like right. you, it, today, it would not be allowed, obviously, or in some places it would. But it, it, it was the change has been so drastic around gay people. But at the time, I couldn't be what I wanted. I wanted to be in the military. My dad mm-hmm. was in the military and I just couldn't. I, there was, you know, I really wanted to be like compare. Like I know people are always surprised. I'm like, I'm really quite I really think the military can be great in in a lot of ways. It has a lot of problems like anything else. Um, but, you know, yeah, that Scott was talking about that the other day. And before the sort of 
the ability to unify and have, have places to meet for people who have issues, racist, like white supremacists, uh -huh. the internet has helped them drastically. And right. I talked about that in my first book in 97. This was a place where people, you can either gather for good, like quilters or mm -hmm. people, parents, and you know, people who want to know. All these parents. communities about yeah, different but narrow what subjects. What happened is all these people were in wherever, Idaho, wherever they hit They're everywhere. You they know, just the were dreads. lone wolves. Yeah, so and speak. so now they can find places to gather. It's, it's a, they create these gathering places, which, and with a lot of tools from video to. Mm -hmm. And so it's a really great place to radicalize people. You know, that's the problem with the internet. This tool it can be, you know, it's like a knife. It can be used in a lot of different ways. And so in a lot of ways, it's used to. Kill people. So I've watched your thought evolve on whether or not this is in, in response to most recently mm -hmm. to 8chan and Reddit yeah. basically saying we should not be a gathering place for white supremacists and others who are plotting to kill people. You've kind of moved a little bit about whether companies mm -hmm. like uh, registrars, domain registrars, or or oh, I moved. I think they should take them off. I don't. I've never. That's not an evolution. No, not at all. You no, I'm not. Previously, were no, more of a First Amendment no, absolutist, no, or am I misreading? You're that? misreading it because I think I find the, the the intellectual capacity of most people in Silicon Valley to be light. You know, in terms of <laughs> ethics. In terms of historical knowledge, okay. in terms of everything, and so they have this—I call it libertarian light. Uh -huh. you, you know, they're like, "I'm a libertarian. I'm a first man." I'm like, "Explain it for me." And you know, I have studied this, so I know what it is. And they're like, "Anybody can say anything." I'm like, "No, that's not what the First Amendment says. It says Congress shall make no law. That's just right. Congress, not Twitter, not Facebook, not like they're just so like there's many people and they're highly educated in certain ways, but in general, the the, the it's libertarian light. You know what I mean? People mm -hmm. should do what they want. That, that's like that's what a twelve a, a, a three-year-old says, I can do what I want, but right. you can't. And so I think uh, legitimate companies like Facebook, like Twitter, like Google have a responsibility. And I've always thought companies, whether they're chemical companies or Wall Street companies or Bloomberg or any or Vox, we have a responsibility to society, mm -hmm. you know, legitimate companies. The others can create these things, but it doesn't mean that this 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 idea that you collect all the money and have none of the responsibility right. is okay because it's not okay. Now they can do it, but I can say this is not okay. Quite quite interesting. You know, you can decide who you do business with. I don't like you know. I, I like you can decide who you do business with. And you know, Cloudflare is the company that I wrote about recently in the New York Times. I read mm -hmm. a column there weekly. Um, you know, they this guy who I've interviewed several times, Matthew Prince. Um, you know, he, he'd been sort of a, he's, he's, I've changed my, I, I, I suddenly realized this is terrible. And I'm like, welcome to the world. Like, have you not been paying attention? And they cut off HN. Um, but you know, people can make their decisions. They just have to live with their decisions. If you want to facilitate white supremacy, own it, like own what you're doing. And that's what they'd like to do. They'd like to do it and then say, why are you criticizing me? So I, they, you know, it's, for expressing my First Amendment go right, right to ahead. be a racist. Right. Yeah. I but, love the fact that the internet identifies all these people who are participating in these mm -hmm. white supremacy marches right. and basically calls out their bosses and gets them fired. Yeah. You yeah. you want to march here? Go ahead. Just don't expect to serve well, it's Starbucks. Just, it's just people. People can do whatever they want. It's just you know the whole controversy on Alex Jones, for example. You mm -hmm. know this vile, vile human being, just mm -hmm. vile, just on every. Yep. Measure. He's a vile person. He can have a website anywhere on the internet. No one's stopping him. 
people who make these tools can either decide to kick them off or not. That's the, that's the deal, right? Right. So and they're commercial businesses, but, and if I people yes. choose not to do business with them, exactly, because they're but not. There's nothing wrong with companies like that advertising, pointing it out to advertisers, pointing it out to whatever. It's not. It's the way you know boycotts have gone on for centuries. It's like this is not a new thing, right. kind of thing. And I think it's just become so. Um, Amplified and weaponized in this time because it's so viral. It's so so the news we get is so twitchy and so quick mm-hmm. that people get and and the emotions get so easily in a rage that people think it's different. Um, but what's interesting is that they, um, you know, they they have their spaces. When when I was when the Alex Jones things was happening, I was talking to all the major platforms, and they're like, "Well, everybody has a right, you know, to have a place." I'm like. But you're going to kick him off, just so you know, because he's broken your rules. Like, you made rules. What's the point of your stupid rules if you're not going to enforce them? Uh, Well, you know, it's complicated. I'm like, no, you made rules. He broke them. Why isn't he off? It's not that complicated. You know, and they had all these weird rules. And it's like, if you're going to make rules, keep to them. You have a responsibility to the society at large. And, you know, in things that are pretty much, you know, there's all kinds of edge cases. There's all kinds of, like... Right. Whatever, um, but those are outliers. They can be, but it, there's lots of places for people to go. You know, for example, like with with Twitter, they're, they've it's been so haphazard with them. You know that we've kicked off uh, Milo, whatever Yana. Yep. We kick him off, Yana but not this guy. Right. But we kick this person, but not that guy. It's like it just doesn't make any sense to people. And I think if everyone understood the rules, and then when you break them, that's that. What what they've managed to do is make people think these things are public squares when they're private squares. That's exactly right. And they own everything, and they get paid for everything, and they don't have any of the responsibility for monitoring them. So they've made these very filthy public squ- private <laughs> squares, and it's the only place to gather, and then they say, we don't have any responsibility for cleaning it. I just they happened do. this morning to be scanning Twitter, and mm-hmm. I saw Sleeping Giants. Oh, him. Yeah, he's great. Right. Just mm-hmm. mentioned that last night on Tucker Carlson's show, yeah. Dell was advertising. Oh, are they back? Are they back? And uh, you know, you they would think back. that a big, broad name like that would be a little savvier. Oh, you know what? They wait until the things blow over, and then they go back. They, you know, they they just want to sell. <laughs> but but honest. here's the thing: you're going to get called out for yeah, that. That's right. That's right. This is the world. Guess what? And that's you know that happened before. You know, remember Anita Bryant, the orange juice thing with gay right. people. That's right. Everyone was dumping orange juice. Was that unfair to Anita Bryant? Uh, uh, it doesn't matter. She had her opinion. This right. is what it costs to have her opinion. Right. And I think, um, you know, every everything costs, and people don't realize that. Like, they, they we live in a world where everyone's. I can say whatever I want. I'm like, you certainly can, but it certainly costs. But Same with me. Same right. with everybody else. That's exactly. Be an right. adult about it. What you're doing. So. Let's talk a little bit about what you're doing um, with your career now, and mm-hmm. and how you began. What was it like in the early 90s covering technology? I don't think people well, lonely. understood. There was nobody covering it. it that, right? It was it, me. It was I, me and some other guy. I don't think people really understood how important technology was going to be to well, society, had, the economy, everything. It had been covered, you know, chips and Microsoft, essentially, and mm-hmm. software. Chips and software had been either covered as a, as a, as a, as a product issue, like we made right. Windows 10, here's the news story, which is not a news story when they right. release something, but it used to be. I remember. Um, and so, you Do know, you, you, the Windows 95, the hoopla on that was insane. Yeah, I was at that event. 
Um, so, you know, I think what was interesting, what I thought about it is this was an entirely new industry being created, the internet industry. Mm -hmm. And you had to treat it like the beginnings of electricity or the beginning of TV or the beginning of radio. And right. so that's how I looked at it. And so one of the things I told uh, when I first started covering at the Washington Post and then later at the Wall Street Journal, what I told my editors is I'm not going to tell you how the watch works. I'm going to tell you what time it is. And that's what the most important story. Uh -huh. Like, who are these people? And I spent a lot of time understanding the culture that was growing because it was all new like the uh, i was there i wrote one of the first stories when the internet was commercialized when i was at the washington mm -hmm. post i think i wrote one i mean nobody was paying attention to you know what al gore was doing in the, in the late 80s we're talking yes i was covering it then and so i really I, there was a moment where i was like this is going to be the most important change in media and communications in history, like so far, and there's been a you lot. You think this internet thing oh, is going to catch on? Yeah, you... I did. I kept saying, you know, I, I two things I spent a lot of time doing is talking about. Um, I, I, I tell a story that it absolutely it was a moment where I downloaded a Calvin and Hobbes book onto a server, uh -huh. and I, I messed up the server. It was so big, you know, and the pictures. <laughs> and the person who was running the, the the technology was like, "What did you do?" And I'm like, "I downloaded a book. I put it in. Like, what? Like, a can book? you do that?" And they're like, he's like, so what? I'm like, so what? Don't you get it, you idiot? Like, you know, this is going to, everything's going to be digitized. And I kept saying, everything's going to be digitized. Everything. And I say this over and over again. Everything that can be digitized will be digitized. Jobs, everything. It eats everything. Not just Mark Andreessen software is eating the world. Right. Digital is eating the world. And you it, know, it you, has to. You sound a bit like Andreessen who describes. Yes, software. He who, says software. But he describes entrepreneurs mm -hmm. that he knows he's onto something when they're trying to explain their business to a VC mm -hmm. and they get frustrated and angry like how do you not see this it's right, so obvious right. you basically just said that well same it thing. was and it was I, w I would run around saying this and everyone's like what are you talking about I'm like there's not going to be newspapers there's not going to be like I would do that like right. newspaper people and then the second part was mobile and when I got to the journal I just wrote a columnist uh, the other day in the times about no one's going to own a car Mm -hmm. Which caused quite a lot of consternation. Especially Why would that cause consternation? Because it's... like people in the Midwest or, or with pickup trucks, are like I want my pickup truck. I said, have your pickup truck, but it's going to be like owning It'll a horse. It'll be a robot, right? It'll be like you don't understand. Like even you will not have a car. Like right. in cities, absolutely not. You very soon after it'll be all automated and everything else, or they'll be floating or whatever. And so, um, so I wrote a piece when I right when I got to the journal in 1997 called um, "Cutting the Cord." I, I recall that piece. Yeah, and I had a picture of me with cords, and I had a big, uh, you know, the plate scissor, scissors. right? And I said, "You will not have a landline phone. You will carry around this device. It will get smaller and because they were big at the time, right? You know, you, it'll get smaller and smaller. There will be your entire computer. It will be on the go. It will be mobile. You will. This will be the center of your news. And it was when I go back and read it, I'm like, wow, that was pretty smart. Pretty it was good. Pretty good. Um, but I, I, I kept insisting it, and, and it made so much sense. Like it obviously, like when I think about cars or when I think about certain jobs being eliminated right. and like i was talking to a lawyer the other day i'm like your job's gonna go like it's so pattern match ai will take over everything you do except for the creativity part right no it's you know i think about, i said everything you do is is digitized anything that's by road anything that's mechanical not just mechanical it, there's so much more that really you could apply ai principles to a robotic any of the coming things robotics automation uh self-driving um uh ai it just anything that can apply to it does. So I think about though what can change, what's not going to be here. Whenever I get pushback when we discuss 
future technology, my favorite question to ask people is, well, do you think people will still be driving their own cars in 100 years? No. No, of course not. Yeah. Okay, so next year? Yeah, I'll still be driving. So really the debate is where, when does that transition take place? Yeah. And people can picture oh, 100 it's years, taking place. but they can't picture 12 years from now. That's yes. too difficult. Yeah, it's taking place. It's yeah, taking already. Place. And, you know, it, you, but the, the business thing, you model of going to be. The business model of not owning a car and just using Uber or some other source, right. have something come by, that's hard for a lot of people to conceptualize, even though it appears They're to be inevitable. They're already doing it. It's, right. They've already started doing People do things without realizing. You know, there's an, I forget which, uh, I think it's, I can't remember the poet. Reuters Neruda. just. Paths are made by walking. Uh-huh. That's that what's happening here. Paths yeah. are made by walking. And so I just did, like, I'm, I'm going to write a recap of what's happened since I got rid of I sold my car, mm-hmm. and I have no vehicle. Like, I have no vehicle. And the other, like, I called someone. I'm like, oh, we have to go get this. I'm like, oh, I don't have a car. How am I going to do that? Like, you know, it doesn't mean you're not going to drive a car. It doesn't mean you're not going to rent a car. I've just rented a car, uh, and, and I'm going to try to put put it in terms of money, what I what I spent for that, mm-hmm. what I used to buy a car with. And when I called the insurance company, I've had a car, you know, an insurance policy for years, right. for forever. And uh, they're like, wait, what's the car you're replacing with? I go, no car. And they're like, what? And I said, I never am going to own a car again. It was the most fascinating discussion. I said, you better watch out for your business because right. I'm not going to have insurance. But then I sat down to breakfast with someone who's a lawyer and said, you know, when you get on a scooter, if you don't have car insurance, who covers if you hit someone right. when you're on a scooter? Like one of those, I was like, oh my God, I do need insurance. So well, you need whole- umbrella insurance, something different. Well, yeah, but it gets taken away when you don't have a car. It was fascinating. And I'm yeah. like, oh my God, a whole new business. Like, But I was thinking all car insurance will go away. What will happen to those people? But then there's a whole new business of people who are on the move right. who have to be covered. Anyway, it was just interesting. Y- your Amex probably covers you if you rent it. Uh, rent the scooter I with it. I don't know, but it's like that's the whole thing. But there's whole new businesses to be created. That, immediately, I was like, wow, wouldn't it be interesting to go into the insurance business without owning a car, but having a mobile insurance, a moving insurance, like you physically moving through the world however you decide to do it. If you get into a vertical lift and takeoff vehicle, do you know right. about those? Sure. Those are great. They're going to be cool. I was mentioning well, it Well, I've been waiting for them for 50 They're years. They're coming. They're coming. They'll yeah. be in San Francisco first, so you come and ride them in San Francisco. There, there are, I've been tracking that. There are a number of companies that are relatively mm-hmm. close, including one that's an all-battery electric oh, right. version. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to stick with gas. But we're still, <laughs> we're st- I'm waiting for my Blade Runner vehicle where the yeah. projection of the highway is just a three-dimensional yeah. three hologram that you fly through. But hey, that was supposed to be here. It wasn't supposed 2024 to be. is no, the date on those that. Those are move. Those are Hollywood people telling yeah. you that. Not All right. So when are we going to have? When are we going to have dead, personalized VTOL cars and taxis? You will be dead, Barry. You what? will never experience. You may try one, but you're not going to be. In no. That, so we're see. I agree um, with you. I think it's less than a hundred years, yes, but like more than a decade. Between now and fifty years. Right. Now that's about right. Years. And I think it'll be a slow transition because people I have you, very low cholesterol. They'll I be, could make that. They'll, they'll be human. That's right. That's another thing. Life extension. But yeah. Um, there'll be human and cars at the same time. Just like here in New York, you know, there used to be the elevated. Subway, the, the sub- trains. The trains. And the, it, it, when they first started, a lot of people got run over by them when they were down on the ground before they elevated where the High Line was. That's uh-huh. why they built the High Line. Right. Because all these people were getting killed because they were like, what's this? Me- we have horses. And so right. horses would bang into these electric vehicles all the time. Right. And then there weren't horses. And so that's what, you know, there will be human drivers, but then there won't be. Like, right. that, that's what's going out. And so I think that's what you have to think about is this transition period. When, and it doesn't mean people won't drive in certain places or it's not – it'll just be different. It'll be just a different experience. So you go from the Washington Post to the Wall Street Journal? Is that yes, the, the yes. path? Yes, Walt, Walt Mossberg got me there, my 
my most important mentor. So now he was covering technology. He was the guy. He right? wrote a technology column uh, uh, that he wrote uh, for many years. He started it. Um, his first line of his first one is called Personal Technology in the Wall Street Journal. And his, he had covered the Defense Department. He had right. covered the State Department. He was you know, a Washington reporter, and he just was sort of geeky. And mm -hmm. um, the first line of his column, which I think was still relevant today, was technology is too hard to use and it's not your fault. Mm -hmm. Which I love, which is like right. so smart because they were sort of testing you, you know, with their <laughs> products. Like, right. Oh, I said that again. You get that. Um, we'll but, beep that up. Okay. Um, <laughs> so he started that. And so while he was there, and I interviewed him for my book on AOL because he was the only person I perceived that understood the change. Like mm -hmm. everybody else was like, oh, it's just online services. We'll still have Time Magazine. They're so important. I was like, no, Time Magazine is over. Like, you know, like, you know, and he's the only one who got it. And he and I really clicked immediately and uh, we started. He got me to come to the journal to write about this because he thought the journal was not writing about it properly. And I understood it. And I knew them all. I knew Jeff Bezos. I knew Jeff Bezos wasn't Jeff Bezos for a long time. Well, right? now he's Jeff Bezos prime. Back prime, then. whatever. He was just a guy. He was just right. a startup guy that wore really bad pants. Right. You know At a I mean? DE like, show. He was a hedge fund math geek. Pants. Yeah. A lot of pleated khaki pants. Um, <laughs> you know, it's so funny. They were all like the Google guys were in a garage. The um, you know, just all of them were like Elon. I met when he did this thing called X.com. He, you know, he had a full head of hair and was kind of geeky. Like, what was what was Elon originally? Was he part of the PayPal? Uh... No, he had a company called X.com, which that... was a payment company. Right. And he and they fought a lot. PayPal, PayPal. There was that group, and then they merged. They, they. Oh, they, so he eventually they did merge, but there were two separate companies, and right. they were quite. Uh, quite unpleasant rivals, and then they right. got together. So a and lot then of they people sold it. Their big genius was in selling it to eBay. Right. A lot of people f came out of that PayPal group: Musk yeah. and Peter Thiel, and right. a whole run of folks in, in the tech world. Yeah. Uh, trace back to that. Sure do. So, so I remember Walt's early work specifically mm -hmm. as a reviewer of services and and yeah. computers yeah, and technology. But you really came in covering the Internet. The business, the business, yeah, of of the internet, not so much as a reviewer, but as mm -hmm. a straight up economic journalist, financial yeah. journalist. Yeah, I was a financial journalist. I think I, I, I had an interest in the products, and of course, you know, Walt. It was great to have Walt as a partner eventually because it was he had that part of it covered. Um, he's a reporter too, by the way. Like sure. he was the, one of the great things about Walt Mossberg as a reviewer was that he was a reporter first and foremost, and so he reported out these products. A lot of people. Who covered tech were just fanboys and just right. you know just ridiculous. And Walt sometimes he loved stuff, sometimes he disliked it. So it was so fair, you know, in terms mm -hmm. of how he did it. And I came in and covered the business of it and tried to understand the stock stuff and because there was a lot of you know early froth around a lot of these companies and what was what was not true, what was true, what was a Ponzi scheme, what was not. And so I covered these early. Uh, businesses and I was quite uh, bullish on the whole bigger sector. A lot of reporters who covered the media at the time uh, kept calling, telling me I was covering CB radio or a fad, and I didn't think it was a fad. I remember those. Are, like, one of the guys who called it CB radio to me is now working for a digital content company, and he's like Mr. Internet now. It, it's always Whatever. amazing how how people are so willing to believe whatever it is that keeps their paycheck flowing. Well, I, I was very worried. That's the reason I left the Washington Post because I was like, when I I love Don Graham, who's the owner of the Washington Post. But when I left, and he's such a like an incredibly cordial and just a fine person, and he said, you know, Carol, why are you leaving? And I said, the water's rising, and you're on the lower floodplain. 
And like, what was their response to that? And he was like, ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, no, really. You better, because I had covered retail. I had covered retail. So I covered Walmart's entrance into the retail space. Sure. I, the death of wonderful retailers like Heckinger's and, and uh, Woody's, Woodward and Lothrop and Garfinkel's were the two, like the death of department. You could see right. what was happening. And the, the original problem was Walmart, you know, and right. big box stores. But then it became Amazon. And you could see glimmers of it with, with Craigslist and hitting the classified business. Amazon still wasn't yet there, but you could see it, see where it was going. And so um, so I was like, the Wall Street Journal has a more defensible position in media right now. Um, and so I, I went there. I thought, I, but then the Washington Post, of course, has revived itself with ownership by Jeff Bezos. Bring it full circle. He, yeah. he has done a wonderful job. They I used to, full business. disclosure, I used to contribute to the Washington Post up so until 2016. <laughs> um, I, I think that the Washington Post has reasserted itself as one of the three major papers in New York. The And you've written for all three. Well, they the figured Washington out the Post. economics. They figured out. It's not just that it's a rich guy owning it. It's actually making money. Uh, they. It's not a, none of these businesses, not the New York Times, not, they're not like massive money-making, throwing-off-money businesses. The Wall Street Journal always had a million subscribers, yeah, which yeah. is uh, online subscribers, yeah, which is absolutely. a lot yes, for a, a paper. Uh, probably the Times isn't the best in this area. Well, obviously. post Trump election, their yes. subscription base has exploded. And also, they've done a good job with the product. Like you, have, yes. you can't you can't separate the product from the content. Sure, but their product is really quite good. And so, I think a lot of these people figured it out. And w with the help of Bezos, who wasn't going to be a twitchy owner, uh, neither were the Grams. By the way, they were right. wonderful owners. Um, I think that they sort of made it through the difficult period and just rationalize what they were doing. And, and, I, and I, could I can tell you every time I get my update from Amazon mm -hmm. that my bill for the yeah. Washington Post has been paid. Yeah, stuff like that. That's an enormous benefit for stuff a company like that. Like that. Just, you know. just and great journalism, great product. I think of things always in terms of product. Is that a good product? Like when I make stuff, is this a good product? And if it's not a good product, I stop making it. And I think mm -hmm. unlike a lot of journalists, I'll stop doing something if I don't think it's a it's something that's worthwhile to the users, the readers, or whoever's doing it. What what you products what products do you think are really strong these days that Recode Vox is doing? Mm -hmm. And what are you watching? Because hey, let's see how this develops. Is this too new? Is this too different? Um, I'm not going to tell you a new idea I have that I love. We thought it the other night. I was standing there. I'm like, oh, this. Like, well, if it's not out yet, but no, I mean, no, it's not. But I was thinking, this is what I'm going to do next. For, I, I'm always making something else. Like I'm always look. When I started doing podcasting, for example, mm -hmm. um, when I started doing Recode, everyone was like, what are you doing? I'm like, no, we're going to have a voicey, news-based, journalistic-based, but voicey, funny site. And everyone's copied it since, like right. what we did. So it was, Walt and I really did pioneer When you it. say voicey, what do you mean by that? Like Yahoo, when I was covering Yahoo. Uh -huh. Yahoo sucks. Right. Here's why. Uh, you snarky, know, is that the word snarky. you're looking no, for? No, no, no. We backed it with journalism. You know okay. what I mean? Or Blunt? Blunt. Like, guess what? The guy who's running Uber ain't going to be running Uber, and here's why. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. saying things journalists say to each other but and not backing in print. it up. And, and one of the things I had was, it used to be at the journal, it's called the to be sure statement that's mm -hmm. always in these stupid stories. To be sure? Like, when I was covering this company, I think it was- That's like the way they the hedge what they said online. before? Yes. Like, you, this online grocery business, what was it? Oh, that first Peapod. one. Peapod. Not Peapod. There was one before it. A lot of money behind it. Right. Look, listen- it's now figured out itself. Right. But at the time, it was an insane... Like, you looked at the numbers. You're like, are you kidding me? And Cosmo? Yeah, that one. One of them. And I, that I was, that was like, the I New York City the delivery journal. place Whatever. in the 90s. Like, it was, it was, you just sat there. You're like, you're losing so much money on every delivery. They make it up but in it volume, But it doesn't though. mean... It didn't work. Primed it worked. Like, you know what I mean? There's right. not, there's ways to figure it out. The idea was a good one. 
I always try to separate the idea. You sound from like Andreessen again, because yeah. he he talks about Chewy being yeah. the modern and can well, of, of Pets.com, Pets. right? And now Julie Only... Wainwright, who was the entrepreneur behind Pets.com, is now at the Real Real. What an amazing business that is, mm-hmm. right? So. Yeah. That's the whole point, and so so when I was writing about it, it was you. I was like, this is this is this is terrible business. This can't go public. This is insane. And the editor at the journal was like, well, you have to like you know point out that this you could be wrong. I'm like, I'm not wrong. This is like, (laughs) and and they were like, they were like, you have to put it, and you have to do the. To be sure, some people say that this business, and I was like, to be sure, some idiots say, and I was like, let me type these idiots who are saying. Does that get edited out? No, it got edited out. But but then I ran my own site, and then I could say that. Like I can say that because it's my site, and so we sort of pioneered that, and then it changed. Like everyone copied it. That's what always happens. And then it wasn't the right like having analog websites that people go to. It's a losing game in 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 the advertising business online. So then I was like sitting there, and I sort of what is an analog site? You mean like Meet Spaces or? What, no, what? no, no. Just like the way we were doing Recode 10 years ago, we changed it. Like It shouldn't we, look like a newspaper was, online. It should be something specific. Not just that. No, we, we did something pioneering, but then it didn't work anymore, right? Uh-huh. And then we tried something else. Like I think the ability to try something else. And so I just there's a long way of getting into the podcast. I was sitting there. I'm like, I like these. These mobile devices are now great. These right. apps are now great. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do interviews because I, I had my code conference, the code conference at Walt and I did, and I was like, why not extend it 365 days a year? Mm-hmm. Like, I can only do 17 interviews at Code. That's always Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg. Blank. But there's <laughs> right. all these fascinating people that sure. people want, like you're doing here. And so I was like, there's so many cool people that I could do the same thing. People love the Code Conference. Why not bring it out and make it free and make it stuff? So I started doing these interviews. And I remember, like, I literally had an intern in me do it. And I'm running, like, I'm the head of the site. I'm like, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm doing this. And so we started doing it. And a lot of people had opinions. They're like, you know, people aren't going to listen for an hour. I'm like, yeah, they are. <laughs> like, you know, they. I was like, I literally had that exact same. Yes, debate. exactly. People, are like, I'm like, uh, you don't know. You, w- w- give me proof. People are in cars. People are on bikes. People proof. are in treadmills. You know, uh, millennials they- like snackable. No, they don't. They're smart. People are right. smart. So it was like, well, I don't want this people who like snackables. They don't right. listen to me anyway. So it was like, I, I literally spent a lot of time, and, and I was like, I'm certain I'm right about this. But then when we did the Galloway thing, Scott came on the show because mm-hmm. I had heard him at a at a conference. I thought he was brilliant. Scott Galloway, who would you pivot with? And, you know, I had interviewed Elon, Zuckerberg, like the head of Google, everything. And the numbers for Scott, when I saw them come in, off I was the like, chart. off the friggin' chart. Right. And also he predicted the Amazon Whole Foods thing happened the week that later. That is such a fan. He that predicted was, he, it a year in advance. Yes, on my Then he goes on your show yeah. a week in advance. Yes, and does it. And a week later, bang. And people exactly. lost, thought lost he knew. Their minds, right. People they like, thought, oh, he works in branding. He no. must have known. No, he didn't know. He so, wrote about it literally 12 I months agree. in advance. So anyway, so, he, so w- that show went off the charts before that happened, too. And I was like, huh, I'm going to have one again and see what happens. Again. Right. Because it was our rapport, our discussion. He was so insightful and smart. And so I was like, we're going to start another podcast. And it's going to be only 30 minutes, maybe 20 minutes. And right. it's not going to be long. It's going to be quick, fast, topical, and this. And now some people are like, it needs to be an hour. I'm like, no, it doesn't. It needs to be this length because this is what this is what it is. And, and so it creates a little scarcity, keeps people yes, coming exactly. back. Yes, exactly. We may do another one during the week. That's a, that's right. a thought because we've got a lot of advertisers. Do two a week. Yeah. 
Um, and so what's, what's, you know, you just have to be like, you have to know what you are or know what you're, pro- it's like cooking, like I'm making a cake now. And a lot of people want to say what you really should do is uh, beef bourguignon. I'm like, yeah, but I'm making a cake. <laughs> And they're right. like, but beef bourguignon. I'm like, yeah, go make your own. That's a different. Friggin- that's a different gig. It's just this really is the cake space. And so I think people who are good at product know what the product is, right. and then are willing to ch- make changes to it when it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So our conference, for example, we're, I'm still trying to figure out what we've had 17 years making so much money at these conferences. Right. By the way, podcasts make a fortune. I think of things in successful One would businesses all the time. Right. So anyway, so what? One of the things like I'm now rethinking like what isn't conference? We have 17 really successful years. But it's changed. So I'm like, I sit along, you know, and even to the point, and we're not doing this, but should I keep doing it? Is it the right thing anymore? What is the next thing? And so I'm constantly thinking, and that's why I come up with this new thing that I think is going to make a lot of money. I, oh, I, so tell us what it is. No, I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's not out. Uh, well, it's I not out. Product. Well, when it comes out, it you'll have to. It doesn't exist. It exists in Kara Swisher's brain. That's it. So and you better be careful crossing the street. What's interesting that I think about what Walt and I did is like, when I think about this, what I'm really proud of is. We created a lot of jobs for people, right. like families, lived on one idea that Walt and I had in 19, whenever we did it, 2002. Walt and I thought of something in 2002, and dozens of people have jobs. It, it, it's fascinating to me to think that way. Like, And, and that cool. was the All Things the, Digital dozens, platform yeah. for conferences. Yeah, All Things Digital, conferences. You know, it came out of a single idea. How like, many conferences are you guys doing a year now? Th- uh, th- well, see, what is a conference, right? Look, we did this live pivot. A bunch other... of people in a room. Yeah, but I don't I don't think that way. Like, we have the main conference. We have Code Commerce that's coming up in September. Uh-huh. We've got Code Media. Um, but then Scott and I did a live pivot the other day that was huge. We sold out. Here in the city. 14 seconds we right. sold out. So now I'm like, oh, live podcast things. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the, the Pod Saves America guy do, do, do them really They've well. They've been doing that for, well, for two years. They've been doing really yeah. well. But, but in a different, like, what size? Should they be 300 people? Should it be 500 people? Should you get sponsors? The sponsors were thrilled. Tried the Y, 86th Street Y is, the 92nd Street Y is, is really been doing that for decades yes they have exactly but what, but what not about, as a podcast but what about moving them around the country why like, not yeah, exactly so, so i'm it, thinking about that so are, is that a conference it kind of is what if you could add other things onto a live podcast put comics there put like make it an event what what right. if you can add experiential pop-ups to it i'm like constantly thinking like what's the next version of analog gathering uh, uh, that's smart i mm-hmm. smart is the one thing the brand is always my the brands i like to make are always like What's smart? Mm-hmm. Like, what do smart people want to listen to? What is additive to someone's life? Every time I get a tweet from someone around Pivot, I'm getting a lot of them around Pivot. Uh huh. I just really enjoy it, and I always come up with an insight. I'm like, I did That's it. All, uh, who can ask for more than that? What you're describing, what you just did with Scott, mm-hmm. is, quote, an evening with. Right. I mean, that's how that's but, been. But it can be seen. Like, And then, I, then the other day, I was like, we have to have swag. We can make a lot of money in swag. Like I'm always cut. Like, that's what I want to think about. And one of the things I like to think about in products. No, we're going to have swag. You can. Ha- you'll give you one free, but only one. Um, that's great. I never give away anything free. Um, the the uh, the things that I think about when we're thinking about products is is it useful? Mm-hmm. Is it entertaining? Is it a must-have? If you have one of those things, you usually have a very successful product. Just one. You don't need all three. But if you have all three, that's killer. It's a killer. Yeah. If you have two. But it has to be one of those three things, right? You don't think like a journalist. No. You think like an entrepreneur. Right, exactly. exactly. And it, it's evident in, in your discussion. Right. I am going to... Uh, but I do journalism, by the way. Uh, you do journalism. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I consume journalism. My extra special guest today is Kara Swisher. She is in desperate need of a real New York bagel and has been unable <laughs> to find one. I have not much been unable. to her chagrin. Well, apparently <laughs> you Look, have. Look, I was hungry, Barry, and I was like, That thing is a blasphemy over It's coming from Brooklyn. I never have lived oh, in well, Brooklyn Oh, well, there are no before. bagels in Brooklyn. Well, I don't know what anybody could possibly. Well, fell in love with someone in Brooklyn. What can I say? Google. Yeah. Best bagels in Brooklyn. You'll find a list Google? anywhere along. Uh, it's I, this... I know where they are. They're on Second Avenue and 50 some Street. <laughs> I know where the bagels are. So, I grew up here. So you mentioned you fell in love with someone in Brooklyn, and yeah. you mentioned I just mentioned Google. I got to ask you a random question. Sure, please. Your disclosures. Mm -hmm. You don't mince any Do words we whatsoever. Did those Fifteen years ago, we did those. Uh, it's like, hey. Here's who my spouse is. Here's who she works for. Mm -hmm. Here's this. I don't get paid. Her money is hers. Mine is. There's no yeah. conflict. Yeah. Uh, that's like a really blunt, straightforward. We did that. that was very innovative at the time. It was. Here's it really why, because was. Because we we trusted readers and we wanted. You know, my ex was a very prominent executive at Google and right. then later became CTO of America. Um, I had to. Meaning had she to, was working for the Obama White House as she their the technology chief, director. She's the chief technology officer right. in the United States. Um, but before that, she was a pretty prominent executive, Megan Smith, at Google. Mm -hmm. She she ran Google.org. She was in charge. She bought things. She bought uh, Google Earth for them. I mean, she did a lot of stuff over there. Right. And, um, and so I wanted, I, I actually urged her to go there when it was very small. Um, hey, these guys are on to something. Yes. I was like, these guys are special. Like, I, you know, she was looking around. She was running another company. And good advice. So, yeah, it was good advice. Thank you. are welcome, Megan. Um, <laughs> so she's a very lovely house in Washington, D.C. due to that. Um, so She should have several so wanted, lovely houses. Which I don't want to go into it. So anyway, <laughs> she's doing just fine. Um, so, so I wanted to disclose, and you can't do that in a newspaper, and I thought, why not be clear to everybody? So right. we trust the reader. to to. We don't have to say, one of the things journalists try to do is like, I'm completely even-handed. It's like, no, you're not. You have things that you don't want people to grab onto them. I foresaw sort of this Twitter day where everybody could do gotcha right. to you. So before anybody could get you, just explain. And then we trust the readers to be smart. And so that's what Walt and I did. We full disclosure on a lot of stuff, right. like as much as we could. And as much that was relevant, I think, was it. Was it. And people love it. They just, they like it. Again, it's a respect for readers that we, we think about. That we, well, don't, we don't think they're stupid. The, well, that's important to actually let yeah. people think... Um, you know what you're doing. You have nothing to hide. Mm -hmm. You know, it goes back to Hunter Thompson basically right. saying, hey, I'm not un unbiased. Right. Here are my biases. Right. I, exactly. I'm, I'm Hunter S. Thompson, right. and you'll figure it out. Right. Let, let's talk a little bit about Silicon Valley. Yes, You've please. lived in San Francisco for— 25 years. Right. Uh, uh, we no, could talk about— 20 years. We could talk about this, how much the city has changed, but let, mm -hmm. let's go a little south, down to the valley. Um how has Silicon Valley changed over the past money. 20 plus years? It's the just money. 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 Just massive amounts of capital. Massive amounts of capital and success has sort of, and, and, and the influence and power. And I think one of the things that's interesting, you sort of like, it, it would be akin to watching Hollywood go from orange groves to right. the power, to Louis B. Mayer and stuff like that. And I think it was really, you know, most of the people I had covered and are now the captains of industry, the most, the richest people in the world, by right. the way, on every list, they're the richest people. They weren't that. They were just startups. And so I think some of them have stayed true to the people they are. Uh -huh. Others have been warped by money and not understanding their power and not uh, understanding the consequences of what they've built. Uh, others have been you know, plunged into these ridiculous wealth bubbles where they go from the airplane to the car to their home, right. and they don't understand 
what they've done. Like or do, they don't spend it. They, they surround themselves by people whose whose interest is in pleasing them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's often <laughs> when then I run into them. Like Mark Andreessen and I have known each other since he was very young and I was very young. And you know, I think very few people. He's like the genius. You know, Mark with his giant brain. But by the way, when I did my interview with him. I got all these emails complaining that they could not listen to it on 2X because he speaks he too quickly. He talks fast like me. Yeah. So quickly. But, you know, he's like very few people, he'll say something and I'm like, that's stupid. And he's like, what? And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. He's not used to hearing that. But he is. He's actually one of the people who will go back and forth. But, you know, even like, you know, just a lot of them, he's actually quite good. You uh-huh. know, he... He always thought a lot about himself, like, right. he, and I don't mind that. Well, like, you have to in order to go out and no, risk, he really did compared to other. He was yeah. confident from the get go. <laughs> right, he shouldn't have been. Um, well, it too. turned out hindsight bias. He could should have. He he's achieved a, a he's modicum made of some success. Errors. Like whatever, I don't care. Oh, well, don't, everybody I don't care. does. Right, exactly. But 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 he wasn't. What my pushback to you is, he wasn't an arrogant jerk about it, and oh, Silicon he Valley. Was. Oh, what? Well, do tell, because I see <laughs> no, a different side but of him. He was, yes, he's. He was, was he just, an arrogant jerk, or he was he just young? Arrogant. No, no, no. He's the same person. He's he's the same person, which I like. I appreciate someone like that. I appreciate he like or Mark uh, Benioff. I love talking to Mark Benioff. Right. Or um, smart, insightful, smart, insightful, but in the thinks of himself. He does, but I enjoy talking to him. He's mm-hmm. really like he is what he is. I, like those people, I really give us the list of arrogant jerks you enjoy well, speaking with. You know, very different people can be this different ways. Uh, you know, Larry Page. I don't know where he's gone to. He's hidden off. Kind of disappeared. He has, but he's always was like that. He was always he's was sort it, of he's was, sort of a ver- he can now afford to do that. I was guess. it him or Sergey who was Sergei. more of the Sergey was more of the quiet one? Larry is. Larry's the okay. I wouldn't say, but Page rank was good. really his. Yes, Larry is really so brainy, so right. smart, so substantive, like really a special mind. Um, but you know, they're all different. They're, they're they they get different. But we, you know, and then you get all sort of the young startup people that are now older. Right. Um, you know, look. Where do you put Peter Thiel in this? Grouping? Brilliant, brilliant guy, appalling of points of view. Many, many, many right. appalling points of view. Um, Did you get around to reading Conspiracy? I read his first book. Not his book, the book about the Gawker litigation by... Uh, uh, you know, that to me just sent me over the edge. Like, oh, doing a secret lawsuit against someone. If he really cared, do it out in the public. Like, that to me was the... The secret part to me was sneaky and awful. Ryan Holiday's book oh, about that is so fascinating, is only because you learn, even with two people, it's mm-hmm. impossible to keep a secret. It's, it's astonishing. Yeah. The Gawker litigation is just an excuse... To describe the history of conspiracies, yeah, it's really yeah. amazing. Anyway, it's interesting. I, you know, he's brilliant, but I don't agree with him almost everything. <laughs> it's quite fun and funny, and I, you know, I always I sort of poke at him quite a bit, and you know, he, he's brilliant. He is brilliant, but really, some who else famous. stands out to you in the valley these days? The reason days? I think Peter Till is interesting is I'm always like, huh? Like he wrote one book, and I'm like, I, I was very th- zero I was, to one. Yeah, I was like, oh, so many interesting things here. You know uh-huh. what I mean? I can't. And then he he's says, a deep thinker. Then he says a lot of things. I'm like, are you kidding me? You've got to be kidding. The me. relationship with Trump, yeah, kind of surprising. Not no. what you imagine from a Not guy who's railing about being oppressed as a gay man in Silicon Valley. He doesn't care. Talk about strange bedfellows. He doesn't care. Doesn't care. Doesn't care. That those aren't his concerns, and I think they should be his concerns. So that's kind of the old guard. Yeah. What's who? Let's talk about the most recent round of There's companies. A lot of really interesting entrepreneurs. You've written now. about Travis. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts about the whole frat scene at Uber? Well, I think he's over. I, Dara is a very thoughtful and interesting person. I think he's got the a person tough, who took over. Yeah, Dara Coast for Shahi. Um, I think he's got a really tough economic question to solve there. Cause you don't he, think you could just. 
do a whole bunch of rides at a loss, but make it up in volume. <laughs> I know. I think they've got an economic problem, right. and it's hard. And I, they've got competition. I, I believe in moats. You know, I think mm-hmm. about moats. Amazon has built so many moats now. Right. They still have. They're going to have problems with, with when Amazon Web Services doesn't do as well. So they've got to really think about what their moats are. They've got a lot of them. Um, and I think any business has to have a lot of moats, and I don't think there's as many moats around Uber as you, there. And, and the market's saying that right now, right? Right. The market is saying Well, they came out way too late, and they came out very pricey exactly. to begin with. Exactly. So, so the market is speaking. If the they would have, if they would have come out cheaper and and come out earlier, maybe we wouldn't maybe. be talking about this. I don't this. know. I think the economics are off. They just you're getting a ten, you're getting a, a fifteen, you're paying ten dollars for a twenty dollar ride. That's what's go. happening. Which is fantastic. Great for, for consumers. consumers. Yeah, Same yeah. thing with you know. I just wrote about WeWork this week. And your colleague calls it a Ponzi scheme. Yes, I did. I wrote a long column about it and included Scott in that. Um, you know, I think it just the economics don't make sense. Like, wait, you're telling me if I get a floor in a building, that mm-hmm. floor shouldn't be worth more than the whole <laughs> building itself? Well, they're trying to pass themselves off as a tech company, and I think that's what offends Scott and I. Do you remember just, Regis thirty yes, years Regis. ago? Regis, Regis, Regis now, plus beer equals a hundred x multiple. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. It just seems sort of odd. One of them's just gone up again. Regis or ICI or something like that. They, they've got competitors. They that business that 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 IPO prospectus was like. Uh, one of the analysts called it a, a, a lesson in obfuscation. I read that. I, I can't recall the last time an S1, maybe it was Facebook, mm-hmm. the last time an S1 came out and it was so completely and totally line by line totally. taken apart yeah, like WeWorks were. Well, it deserved it. It deserved yeah. it. it that, you know, look, it could be a very, it's a really interesting disruptive brand. There's some great ideas there. But not enough for what for forty seven billion. There's not forty seven billion great ideas. This all comes back to what you said earlier about way too much capital mm-hmm. in Silicon Valley mm-hmm. chasing way too few deals. Yep. Has that completely skewed valuations? <laughs> Which, by the way, yeah. Andreessen says eh, we don't pay attention to valuations. Well, that's what he says. Yes, you know, I think it's you know once it gets in the public markets, yes, I think it matters. Um, mm. I think you're right. Who cares if VCs throw? You know, I always say there's not enough money to shove, not enough rat holes to shove all the money down. Right. And they there's find that much money. Holes. Yeah, there's that much money, and so you know you've got SoftBank running around now. And I, look, when Andreessen came in, everyone was like, "What's he doing, overpaying?" Now Andreessen looks like parsimonious compared to SoftBank, right? That's a good word. So let me push back again on some of the new tech companies. So there's Grub Street, which Mm -hmm. has been doing some really dishonest things in terms of- We just wrote about that, about about the uh, tipping. Not just the tipping, but- Taking phone numbers for um, and yep. registering websites that look like the restaurants. Yep. Uh, if you think Craigslist hurt media companies, mm-hmm. Grub Street is really damaging a well, lot of restaurants. It, it's a good, it's a bigger question you're talking Yelp about. Yelp is another one. Yeah, there's a bigger question you're talking about, which is the ethics behind some of this stuff. Like it goes to the bigger question of data, how your data is being used, right. How you're being manipulated online. How you don't get the if your data is being used and they're monetizing it, why don't you get a piece of it? How does that happen that your data, which you own, is is being monetized by someone else? Like mm-hmm. that's a, like you, you have to think about around Facebook. Where's the benefit? Are they paying you for that? Are they disclosing enough? Are you allowed to opt out? And so those are those bigger questions of how all of us have become like, you know, if you remember the uh, Soylent Green, Soylent Green sure. is people. Yep. Like <laughs> you know, that's data is people. And so the question is, what do we do about that? And and Congress in general uh, on the bigger question has has done no regulation of the internet ever. Unlike Europe, which has been very forward on starting privacy to. and yes, data, starting to. They're a decade ahead of the they United are. States. They are indeed, but it's still there. Haven't been really comprehensive 
regulation of the internet the way there's comprehensive whether wall street breaks it there's comprehensive legislation whether chemical companies violate things and break the law right there are laws whether they're you know emission standards which are now the california and the trump administration california looks like it's winning um oh they're, god they're they're oh, the slam Gavin dunk because the o- stop and think about this the automobile industry has invested so much money mm-hmm. In everything from hybrids to electric mm-hmm. to cleaner. Nobody's going back, President Right. Trump. It's like, wait, we've wasted billions of dollars if we ha- get to pollute. They're not going back. They don't want to go back. They right. don't want to go back. That's right. The future is these cars. They know right. it. They, they have I, a marketing and branding issue. They want to appeal to I the next I wish I could generation. call Donald Trump. I'm like, really? You're on the downside of history here. Like, stop. Like, clean, just, coal. clean coal. Clean um, coal. <laughs> so what's what's interesting is that, like, so anyway, so the question is, where are we going to regulate? Like, in California right now, there's a privacy bill coming online uh-huh. in 2020. That's going to be the de facto for US. the country. It is. Right. And there's 12 others across the country. So then tech companies are going to be like, which one do we, like, they're going to have to follow all of them. I think everybody, like, longs for an idea of a privacy bill that has some teeth right. that protects consumers, even these companies, because it's like, they don't, I don't, I think confusion really creates problems in markets, right? Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, there should be a really strong national privacy bill that one is would smart. Think. One would think, but they can't agree on lunch in Congress right now. Right. You'd imagine there should be something around anti-discrimination. There's, you imagine there should be something around, um, there's all kinds of bills. It, I wrote about this Internet Bill of Rights that they're thinking about, and there's about 10 or 12 things. And it's not one law, it's, it's dozens of laws mm-hmm. around the Internet to regulate it. And there's only one law right now, and it, it benefits the Internet, which is Section 230 of the Which Communications people are now revisiting. Oh, that they're was revis- your column. Yes, I'm talking I about, about yeah. revisiting an obscure... It's not thing. obscure. It's a critical bill. Well, for but the originally of the it was not well known publicly, and now yes. it's coming oh, to no, the fore. Oh no, it's been used by it's the, the internet as a industry, shield. As a shield, and so what's interesting. I have I have a podcast coming out today. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had three people debate it today because I was like, let's talk oh, about this and educate people about it. But you know, that's that bill is helpful to the internet industry and the digital industry. So the question is. You can have that, and we could, you know, getting rid of it's a huge mistake. But figuring out where the responsibility is uh, is important, and I think mm-hmm. so. Therefore, put stuff around it, and have some some. You know, everyone is like regulation is terrible. I'm like, no regulation is worse, right? In many That's ways, right. because people don't know the rules of the road, and you know, especially with these new technologies that are coming, cars. Some of the healthcare stuff, the sensor stuff, the AI stuff. We need good law to, to really protect consumers. And and many people think, you know, even just the ability to sue is is a good thing. Right. Like, you know, there are certain laws in place around pornography and everything else. But there this is a, an industry that needs to be regulated just the way Wall Street is, just the way and well, again, Wall Street's been deregulated. Yes, so maybe there'll be a bad there'll example. be overreach. There'll be overreach, right. no question. And but the question is if there's none, maybe we need a little, like kind of. So stuff. you're implying uh, about the right to sue. Mm-hmm. You know, every uh, all the boilerplate that you shrink wrap agreements that you sign mm-hmm. have arbitration agreements in it, and you give well, up your right that. to just, sue. The, the Communications Decency Act, Section Two Thirty, does take care of pretty mm-hmm. much. They they it's been chipped away around uh, sex trafficking and some other right. areas, but it's not really been chipped away very much at all. And then there's the question of you know things like Elizabeth Warren was proposing, which is breaking up some of these companies. Right. Um, and that's an, Elizabeth that's a Warren tool. following again. Mm-hmm. Your partner, yes. who's been talking, talked about Break that, up. right? And so there's breakup, there's fees, that we, there's there's fines, there's all kinds of different ways to figure out how to rein in the internet industry, and it depends on their violations, it depends on their cooperation. Let's do a quick speed round about some of your favorite people. Yeah. Um, and since I mentioned Blade Runner, tell me the first things that enter your mind when I mention these people's name. 
Mm-hmm. Elon Musk. Um, visionary. Visionary. Um, unusual. The whole crazy Joe Rogan thing was eh. blown a little out of a... Uh, no, he shouldn't have done that. He's the CEO of a public company. A little more circumspect would Possibly. have been better. Uh, Jack Dorsey. Oh, also thoughtful. Okay. But opaque and disengaged in a way I find troubling. Disengaged, meaning not responsive to the current... The impact of his work, what he's doing. What Twitter is doing right now to the national discourse is damaging, and he has to think more. He talks about healthy conversations, and I really wish he would stop talking and do something about it. <laughs> okay. Speaking of damaging the national uh, discourse, Mark Zuckerberg. Ernest. Really? Um, lovely. as You know, the least arrogant considering who he is. Huh. Like, really quite uh, thoughtful. Thoughtful person, but absolutely incapable of dealing with the task he has ahead of him. Incapable. Incapable. That that's pretty pretty impressive. Um, what or about could the, use a lot of help. What about the Google guys? Uh, disengaged. Really. Mm-hmm. Disengaged. At From this is that a function of? They just are not running the company. So who is? Sundar Pichai. All right. And the and whoever's there. It's what, a, what about the entire split between Google and Alphabet or? There's Google no projects. It's There's still no, the same kind. It's, con- it's, it's search and everything else is an you indulgence. Know, they're, they're a jumble of blocks. That's what they've right. always been like. Do Google, years ago, there was a Fortune magazine cover, Chaos at Google. It's the same thing. They're That's how they operate. It's a chaotically organized company, and there's there's a lot of obviously practices. It's a big giant company, makes a ton of money. It's very successful in the way it does. But so from you know the DNA of any company is the DNA of its beginnings, mm-hmm. and that doesn't change. They're chaotic, but that's doesn't. It's not a necessarily bad thing. Even at at Microsoft, has that DNA changed? Yes, I have a huge respect for Satya Nadella. I Amazing, right? I think he's a thoughtful, uh, measured. You know, not as not as exciting, screamy, and stuff like that. But <laughs> just a really, he's done a great job in defining. Talk about defining your products. Right. He knows who he is. He knows what Microsoft is. Interesting. Reed Hastings. Lovely. Smart. Oh, I just enjoy talking to him. Really? Really. Just a great thinker. He's just, I don't, we don't always agree on things, but boy, what a what a smart man. Mark smart Benioff. Man. I like, he pulled himself off the board of Facebook. That was interesting. Who, Reed Hastings? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Probably was tired of arguing with him, I'm guessing. Right. And he had enough. I don't need this. Huh. Benioff, you mentioned earlier? But hysterical fun. That hysterical great, great guy for a drink you want to go up for a drink with that guy uh-huh. always interesting conversation uh can be blowhardy but i like it i right. like the whole jam i like his whole started jam. a podcast himself. i like his, his whole commitment to the city i think it's genuine um, right i like he's that he's loud about it everyone's like oh he's just loud about it. i'm like yeah but he does things like i don't care let him ba- brag let him right. i don't care i like him he, I, he's just a really fascinating character i really enjoy talking to him i always i'm never not interested in talking to him Andreessen. Pain in the ass, but he's Really? <laughs> but I I'm like, so surprised you said that. But in a good way. Yeah. In a bad way, too. Some of his new tweets. He's been tweeting some crazy stuff lately. But He just, took a long tweet vacation for oh, a couple yeah, of years. Oh, yeah, whatever. He's like, P-Marka. whatever. Um, he's, he's, I, I argue with him a lot, but I enjoy it. I hate, don't, well, I hope he's not listening. Oh, he's listening. Okay. Well, um, Mark. What other VCs are butt. worth uh, bringing up? John Doerr, Bill Gurley, who. John who is sort of. John's a very thoughtful person. He's not as. You know, put out a book recently. He's put out a book. We did a podcast. He's always been. I, I think he. Um, he's. John. You know, he's. Yeah. He's a 
seems ethical. But what it's been what other VCs did I not get to that that Chamath Polyhapatia? Crazy. Do but not I know. love him. He's great. He's great. Which um, one? Chamath. He was. It's, he's just a character in Silicon Valley. Um, you know, I think. Uh, you know, there's lots of VCs you don't know about, like my, um, Michael Deering. There's all sorts of uh -huh. really interesting Aileen Lee. Uh, Mary Meeker. Uh, there's all sorts right. of really interesting. Oh well, you all know who Mary Meeker is. Yeah, she's great. She's great. I met her when she was an analyst at, at uh, Morgan, Morgan Stanley. Stanley. Yeah. I used to stay up nights talking about the internet with her in like the '90s, early '90s. She got it. She got it. In fact, she was I've, a little too enthusiastic, but she was right. Directionally, she was correct. I've argued that the difference between her and people who got into trouble, like Henry Blodgett, yeah. is she was a true believer she's who drank the Kool Aid. She did. She and being wrong is right. not prosecutable. Also, she was early. She was early, but she was right. She was Eventually, right in the long right. term. She was yep. probably wrong several times in the short right. term. Yeah, Henry's, Henry's real cynical. <laughs> I like Henry. I think uh, he got brilliant. a bad He's rap. also a beautiful writer. Um, who have I missed? Steve Jobs. Steve jo oh, fascinating. I really enjoyed interviewing him. What an interesting and complex person. Um, I, I always say, uh, and I've gotten to know his wife quite a bit, his, his widow. L Lauren? Uh, Lorraine. Yep. Who's really, really interesting to talk to. Um, She's very active in philanthropy now, Not right? just philanthropy, all kinds of st all kinds of interesting. I find her to be very interesting in, in her investment stuff. Uh, she's very thoughtful, another very thoughtful person. Um, has a lot of points of view, which I like. I like someone who has a point of view. Uh, Steve Jobs, was, you know, he was just... What a complicated and interesting person. I know everyone sort of like tries to cartoonize people. He was mean to people. I'm like, right. well, yeah. yeah, but lots of people are mean. But he got stuff done, yeah, so we'll so overlook that. Not, no, no, I don't think he was, you know, I have, <laughs> his ratio of productivity was so high. Right. And, you know, all those speeches around death were so, what an interesting person who, who challenged himself from a philosophical point of view. I don't think, he, he had a lot of, people always say he was heartless. This is what I say all the time. He had too much heart. He had too much heart. It was too. There were so many things going on with him. I found. I always. In, we did eight. Walt and I did eight. Eight interviews or more with him. Very. Nobody's really? had the body of interviews that we did with him, and that was every single one of them were fascinating conversations. Huh. And of course, he's going to be seen as one of the most important. And we did one with Gates and Jobs together. I recall that. That was really a very interesting that, that conversation. Is a, that's going to go down in history. The, you know, I'll be forgotten, but not that interview. Larry Ellison. Ah, oh, hysterical. Hysterical. He's hysterical. Really? He just, I just love talking to him. I mean, you know, he's, he's, uh, you know, you know, and he's sort of the old days of like this, vaguely sexist, sometimes very sexist Silicon Valley, like the old like sell sell the software, everybody like that kind of stuff. But right. I got to tell you, he's a real, you know, he's raised two really interesting children too. Like, and what are the kids uh, doing? The kids are movie makers. They make Star Trek, and his daughter makes some amazing movies. Oh, his really? His daughter is like a really interesting filmmaker, and his son makes more like Terminator and and Star Trek, the recent Star Treks, which are very good movies. Mm -hmm. The Star Trek ones particularly, and so I don't know. I just I've He's he's a he just a, he's he's one of the few titans left kind of thing. Uh, Scott McNeely was someone I haven't heard from oh, recently. I just did a podcast with him. Yeah, not a podcast. I did a column in the New York Times went around privacy, mm -hmm. privacy, get used to it, that kind of thing. Um, I, he's got which is the inverse of what people yeah. used to say. No, he was the first one to really identify. You have no privacy. Get used to it. Right. Um, that was a really prescient thing he said. I'm not sure I agree with him on a lot of political stuff. He's quite. Uh, he has a he has a problem with Hillary Clinton. Is he needs to let go of? <laughs> Still, like, even to this I, day, I was talking to him. I'm like, you know, she's a private citizen. Is never going to be president. You really can move along. Like. I feel like you've handled Hillary Clinton. So, like, let's. Some people who don't like her really can. My, uh, whatever. It's just funny. I was sort of like, can we stop talking about Hillary Clinton and start discussing the current state of affairs? What 
What about CEOs I haven't mentioned? What companies well, there's are... there's some interesting ones, like Brian Chesky from Airbnb. I uh-huh. think he's very thoughtful and interesting. I'll be interested. Such an in interesting company. When that goes public, I think he thinks very carefully about stuff, and he understands. What I like about him is he understands the impact. He may not always do the right thing, and they've had a lot of mess-ups and everything else. They had some early mess-ups that I think taught them a lot. But I think he's extraordinarily thoughtful about his impact and you very and i don't think it's just yammering i think he actually Believes knows it. that his company has negative and positive impacts mm-hmm. and so he's able to discuss the negative impacts without being defensive and it's a pleasure to talk to him tim cook i love talking i to didn't him. get to tim I cook think tim cook's a really he's an adult i did i've done a, some very good interviews with him people assumed that when jobs left that would be it for apple but well, here we are what is it six years later more, more. Seven years um, later. you know they still got the issue of they gotta have what's the next hit they're like right. the rolling stones like when's your next hit like they're right. at some point they can't keep making like it's just like they have such a record you're almost like ah. Eh. Good job. Tough, tough right? You know, tough, I, I feel like that. I'm kind of old, but I keep making hits. So, right. like, and so they can keep making it. It's a really they've done so much amazing stuff that this stuff year there's doing, a lot of new pro, new you know, yeah. There's stuff around that show out. looks pretty good. Um, eh. I'm ah, we'll see. There's the problem with that show, yeah. and you brought this up show. with competing with yeah, content. Between Netflix and Amazon and, and yeah. Hulu and everybody else, it's really out. hard to- You never uh, know. Look, you don't I know. thought they should have bought Netflix five years ago they when should've. they missed that, that window. That is 100%. I, agree I wrote that and people gave me grief 100%. about it. I think it was $50 billion and people gave me grief if it was like 200 now. 110%. Yeah. That would be That was perfect. a missed that opportunity. Per- they could still do it. They could so much money. Well, it's a rounding error to yeah, them, but- You know, I like Tim Cook. I really enjoy I think he's been one of the adults in the room. Um, mm-hmm. And has been very thoughtful. A lot of people think he's taking advantage of the, like, sort of being the school marm, but I don't care. I like it. Versus Facebook. Oh, yeah. To some degree. Yeah. You mean in terms of, you hey, know, we he, don't well, sell ads. I got ads. him to say, you know, I asked him. I didn't think he was going to answer, but he did. I asked him in this interview I did in Chicago last year. Um, it was a live interview at a school. And I said, what would you do? If you were Mark Zuckerberg, and he said, I wouldn't be in the situation in the first place. <laughs> which I was like, That's a genius girl? answer. <laughs> I know. Right? That's he, like, he's not like that. Snap. He's like, he never does that. He never They have a bone to pick that. with Facebook. Well, yeah, they. it's also calculated bone because their yeah. business is not is not right. advertising. So right. it's an excellent business opportunity to smack them. And, it's, right. and I think, he, and they believe it. And by the way, Steve Jobs was talking about this with us 10 years, or years ago. About ahead. Facebook? No, about or? privacy. About uh-huh. like very stringently. And you can talk about that when it's not your business. Right, so I, guess I can you... go on about how porn sucks, like and it's it's insulting to women and this right. and that because it's not my business. So right. you know, it's it's actually good for me if they're competing with me. So I think a lot of people feel like Facebook and he's taking advantage of the situation. But I'm okay. So what? Big Meanwhile, yeah. did you happen to catch the sixty minutes about that Israeli company? That basically has licensed the technology, I think it's called Pegasus, mm-hmm. that hack can hack any phone anywhere in the world. Well, I assume that's happening already. But I mean, there is a, literally an Israeli company mm-hmm. who was given grief because they licensed it to Saudi Saudi uh, yeah. Arabia, and theoretically they use this technology. You know, but that's going to catch up. It's going to be a constant arms race for all this stuff. There's going to be like, look, I assume everything is hacked. That's you just right. have to start. And so, so McNeely is right. There what? is no privacy. There is no privacy. There hasn't been, but you can control your privacy. That's different. Mm-hmm. You don't own. You don't. It's out there, but you can. There's ways to control it, and they haven't done any job whatsoever in helping you do so. One thing you haven't talked about is Trump and his tweeting. All the tweeting, like that's a, such an important thing. It. It's governing by Twitter. So it's funny Just because every time a conversation comes up about, gee, the president, and, and this is just the most recent one, the president is haranguing the Federal Reserve Chair 
that's never happened before. And what the answer to these tend to be is, well, it has happened before, just it's always been private. And yeah. to do it publicly, yeah. to do it by- The amplification and weaponization that is provided by these tools, these online tools, is really unprecedented. Everyone's like, people have done it for I'm like, no, not like this. Right. And, and you know, just the two examples, I wrote a column about this. The when they when they the census thing was happening right, mm -hmm. which we've forgotten about. Remember that? Remember well, that? well, it's the so, the outrage has right. come so fast and so furious you can't keep up. So he, he by design they had made a decision to back away from adding that question, and suddenly he tweets that, oh yeah, we're putting it in. Right. And then the lawyer for the Justice Department is like, I don't know what he meant in the tweet. We need to call him. Like what? Like governing by tweet. And then he did it this week with Greenland. Well, wait, like the, before we go to Greenland, stay yeah. with the, the census well, question. Governing by Twitter. Here's the fascinating thing. The last landed gentry in mm -hmm. the United States mm -hmm. are federal judges. What they say goes in their court yeah. and you can be in jail mm -hmm. as a lawyer who's been who's been fined for um, disrespecting the court, mm -hmm. and eventually the appeal will go your way, and after six months of jail, you come out. That judge said to that lawyer, your answer is dishonest, and if you don't get me the answer I want, there's going to be hell to pay. I think he threatened them with contempt of court yeah. and sending them to jail until it's resolved, right. and he held them accountable. It was fascinating. Right. He's like, but you're responsible for this it's your but client. I felt Get sorry it done. For the lawyers, because literally they're sitting oh, there like it's Twitter. What? I but, know. but literally, he's governing by Twitter. Like, what do you do? Like, I can see the person sitting there. Like, what do we do now? Who do we call? He just tweeted it. Like, you, what does that mean? That's, and then interpreting it. You're an officer of the court and yes, you have an I obligation. That. I get that, but I'm talking about on a personal level. I mean, like, just like Mattis when he was tweeting about that transgender stuff, right. he just ignored him. Right. Like, and, like, and pulled but, someone into the office and said, no, we're not doing we're not this. Do it. But by right. the way, he's Twitter, the president and you're ignoring the president. That's so the right. whole thing Thank is goodness. insane. No, yes, but it's also, in, you can't do that. Like that, that's called, we have a system. So it's really fascinating. So well, we have of, a system and if you want me to do something, give me an official yeah, but, executive order, not a tweet. We don't want people anticipating what the president's but nobody's tweeting. anticipated that you could do that because he did it again with Greenland. I'm not right. going to Greenland. The, the ambassador to Greenland was like, Welcome, Mr. President. And then he tweets that, like, just at the same time. And then they're like, they're all scrambling. Like, Somebody what? had an interesting theory that pre-scheduled mm -hmm. at the end of the month is Obama going to Greenland. Uh -huh. And he didn't want to be compared with the oh, adoring throngs. I don't think it's that thoughtful. I think you're, you're probably that. right. You know, I think, it, but it's really interesting because it's a perfect medium for this guy. He's like the troll in chief. Right. He's twitchy. He's uh, raging. He's, it's... Everything about the way Twitter's designed and the way they've architected it is perfect for Donald Trump. Right. And he's, that's why he's so good on it. Now, then you see someone like AOC, who's also good on it, but yes. she's good in a different way. Future he's, president. He's exactly, he broadcasts, or possibly, he broadcasts and she speaks the language. So I yeah. find her fascinating in that way. And I don't, I think Nancy Pelosi's right. You just got to get the votes. I right. think she's got to do both. She's a natural, she's if of that she generation. Combines, if she combines the ability to communicate beautifully, um, on social media with an ability to get votes and really actually do the, the, the machinations of democracy, which you need the votes. Like, that's yeah. really it. That'll be very powerful. I think Trump just, he just creates havoc. And that's that's also a talent to create havoc. He is and the he uses chaos Twitter. president. He uses, but it's, he's, he, he has unique, just the way John F. Kennedy used the television, he's using Twitter and social media. No doubt about it. We have been speaking with Kara Swisher. She is the co-founder of Recode and the author of numerous books on technology. 
If you enjoy this conversation, be sure and check out our podcast extras, where we keep the tape rolling and continue discussing all things tech-related. You can find that at iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Overcast, Stitcher, wherever your finer podcasts are sold. We love your comments, feedback, and suggestions. Write to us at mibpodcast at bloomberg.net. Check out my weekly column at bloomberg.com. Follow me on Twitter at Ritholtz. Sign up for my daily reads at ritholtz.com. I'm Barry Ritholtz. You're listening to Masters in Business on Bloomberg Radio. Welcome to the podcast. By the way, Kara, thank you so much for doing this. You were no tough problem. to track down. I had I to pull in some favors. I know. It's Galloway. Uh, Galloway, who mm -hmm. um, has been on my podcast. I've done 250-something now. Wow, good More than any, five years, 255. 400, my friend. Really? And that doesn't count pivot. That's mm -hmm. a lot. Oh, mm -hmm. but mine are all three, four hours, so mm -hmm. it's a little. <laughs> so, uh, by the way, just so you know, I've been a listener to pivot mm -hmm. from the beginning. Mm -hmm. When I'm I'm up a really early East Coast time working yep. on my. my um, Various and sundry things. My, my frippery. Um <laughs> and I like to have something playing in the background, yep. and you guys- We're funny. You guys are, well, we really didn't get into the podcast much, but I love the combination of you as who you are, mm -hmm. and Scott as an alpha male- yeah, we have a lot New of chemistry. East Coast. It's the weirdest chemistry. People, it's it's fantastic. I, anywhere I go, they're like, "Where's Scott?" I'm like, "No, no, we're not we, married. We don't, marry, we don't <laughs> hang out, but we sound like a married couple." It's sort of like I was trying to think of like, is it Kathy Lee and Regis? Is no. it? Do you remember Moonlighting? Sure, Sarah of Shepard course. And Bill, you know, I mean, right? It's that kind of thing that's going on there. It's a really interesting. Um, it's a really interesting chemistry we have, and I think it's because I'm like. Like he's being alpha male on purpose, dope, sort of dope he's, alpha. Right, like he's he's allowing the testosterone male. poisoning right. to and take yet, over. But he's also like sort of sort of like uh, he's a woke this, alpha. Yeah, exactly. But kind of like, oh god, I said something stupid again, and I'm like, you're an idiot. Like he I says stuff to you that I just like crack up. Oh, we're and like he's trying that. to provoke you. I was like, you're one statement away from the end of your career, like all <laughs> the time. Like, and I'm trying to protect, and you could see me trying to like protect him. It's a really good. It's a really interesting thing, and we're going to try to do more of them. And it's just you can't, you cannot capture that with just about anything. I had that report with Walt in a different right. way too, so it's really hard to to do that. And I was, I'm thrilled. I'm, I I enjoy doing it, which I think I can is, tell. You know, I, it he comes across. It. He enjoy, we enjoy it. Like it's mm -hmm. fun, and I think that's what's most important is to, you know, uh, love the life you live, right? Kind right. of thing. Like we love it, and that's that's how you make great things if you really enjoy yourself. Once an episode, I hear, "Hold me, Kara." You know it. <laughs> you know it's coming. He has all kinds. I'm a gangster. He just right. wrote me a text saying, "Barry's a gangster." I'm like, "Oh Jesus!" You know, can I tell none you? None of the, you are gangsters. Can I tell I, you I'm the from a family well, of gangsters? Uh, can I tell you the funniest thing he's mm -hmm. ever said? I ever heard him What's say. That? So he knows I'm a car guy. Mm -hmm. We were talking about cars, mm -hmm. and I misheard him. I thought he said G wagon. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize he had a GL. Wagon. The G wagon is. The, I don't even know what you're talking. about. All right. So when Mer Mercedes you start makes bringing up football, I'm going to leave. Mercedes makes this military vehicle that okay. looks like a giant Jeep on steroids. It's like hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Why do you need this? Nobody needs it. It's okay. the worst, dumbest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. And when I heard him say G wagon, GL, I thought he said G wagon. What would that be? So GL is like a normal SUV. GL wagon is this idiot. Does he have one of those? Well, I that's what I thought. He, I go. Yeah. I go, Scott, I don't know about you and this G-Wagon. And his mm -hmm. answer was, 
no, no, GL, not G-Wagon. He goes, I'm insecure, not pathetic. <laughs> and I still get emails from people about he that really silly funny. line. It's funny. He goes, we, and when, he, when we go places, and what's really striking about that podcast is I am stopped so much on the street. They're like, tell Scott to screw it. Like, and it's Really? Like, yeah. I, I'm Hilarious. Like, we should have a TV show because it's really funny. People, like he was walking on the tarmac. Of course, he's going to the Hamptons in a helicopter. I'm not doing that. I'm like he a car. He's, he's... I'm in a car with my kids and my Is he really choppering to the Hamptons? Yeah, he was choppering. And I'm literally driving a car, car to Provincetown with my pregnant girlfriend and my two teenage sons. And it's like... And he and the the guy who does the you know waves the helicopter down with the yeah. two batons right was he has the earphones on and he sees Scott and he goes where's Kara that's <laughs> like, hilarious which was really funny Kara's driving like a <laughs> car up to <laughs> the Cape is what Kara's doing anyway that's that's very he's funny. in Nantucket of course because he's the elite is Nantucket considered the elite oh my God have you that, been is there that what that is? oh my. no I'm not oh. in the elite. Please. I'm in the top 10%. I'm not in the top 1%. They don't let you put 1%. color on your houses. Everything has to look the same. Oh, oh the, no. need, the wooden shingles very, and the... You need to not go to Nantucket. You need All to right. be in Provincetown, I think. You've got to pick a... I'm oh. a Fire Island guy. I'm very Fire happy. Fire Island's on, lovely. You know, Perfect. Sort of, uh, Fantastic. Salt beach. air, go right, out there. Exactly. All right, so I have to let you go eventually, so yeah. let me jump to my all right. okay. favorite questions that I ask all of my guests. Fantastic. I know you don't own a car now, but what was I the don't. first car you ever owned? Honda Civic. Good, good, with reliable a shift, car. With a I have a shift. I always have shift cars. Me too. All Manuals. my cars. Yep, all my cars. My BMWs, Honda my Civic. Jeep, everything is a stick shift. Brown Honda Civic. And my wife is now a better driver with a stick than I am. It's yeah. really, uh, it's really set me back. I had a Volkswagen for years. I had a Volkswagen for years. Which I, one? Bug or something bug. later? And then I had a Rabbit. When it was a Rabbit, it's called something. It's called a Cabriolet GTI. now or Cabriolet. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I had a, a minivan. I had a Honda minivan when I, but not before I had kids. I had a Honda minivan. Then I oh. had a Les Beru, of course, a Subaru. <laughs> right. Um, you saw there was a big article not too long ago about mm-hmm. how Subaru became the car of choice of lesbians, yes. and I think it was Vanity Fair. Indeed it's a it very was. interesting. Uh, Les Beru. I had a Les Beru, and then I, I had, never heard it called a, that. Yeah, before. I had a Jeep for a New York minute. They're the which worst. Was terrible. I terrible. have one. Right. Terrible. I Although, I, to be fair, I they're unstoppable Jeeps. in the snow. Unstoppable. I had a, I had one with the with the with the like a real jeep, a real like jeep, a and then Rubicon. I had one that was had a hard top, and I hated both of them. And then I had, and then I started getting into Mazdas. I love Mazdas, uh-huh. and I loved the Mazda. I wanted a Mazda two, but I had Mazda three, and then the three is a happy car. It's a good car, right? It's got a great happy face. That was a great car. And then I just recently had a Ford Fiesta Turbo. Uh-huh. That's why I'm I sold. so sorry. There was yeah. a no. I'm telling you, that's a great car. I had a Fiesta years ago. I hated no, it. No, the Turbo. Yeah. Uh, it really is a good car. Don't insult the Ford Fiesta. I will tell you, I rented a Ford Edge the other day, and I was surprised at how good the car. The Turbo it was. was a different car. Everyone made fun of me, and then they got in it with a stick shift, and right. they're like, "Oh, I see. Oh, this is wonderful serious. little car. It was a great little car, but I do not have any cars. I had a Vespa for many years, uh, but that's I never fun. drove it. I had a moped. What do you mean you I, never drove it? I just in San Francisco it was too cold. I had it in San Francisco. My mm-hmm. my ex gave it to me as a Valentine's present. And no I good. But I love scooters. I ride scooters all the time, and I love uh, I love scooters. What's I the shouldn't. most important thing people don't know about Kara Swisher? That I love scooters. No, um, <laughs> people know that. Uh, no, uh, that I love. Um, I'm I love action films with really bad action films, like really bad. I just I just love those. I love. I go to all of them, and I go by myself. I don't want to like argue with people about how they are. So really? I just go. I love them. I love them. I love them. I love them. For I really... love Mission Impossible. I love Bond. I'm so excited the new Bond film is coming out. Idris um, Elba? Is with... he going to be the No, Bond? no. It's going to be Daniel Craig again. Okay. Well, that's film. this one. Right. I've seen every Bond movie 10 times. Um, yeah. 
even the bad ones. And uh, I love all those movies. I like. I'm excited for uh, Kristen Stewart and Underwater. I like anything action. And I Everyone. also love Fast and Furious franchise. I love and I love The Rock. Jack Reacher. Have you seen the Jack? Yes, of course. So, I've seen so the I'm Jack not going to name something. No, I know them all. How about Night and Day? Yes, of course. With, with me, Diaz. without so, me. I love it. Let's talk about mentors. Tell us about your mentors. Mossberg. That's it. That's it. Mossberg. One name. Bang. Mossberg. He recruited you to the journal. He did. How did he affect how you developed as a journalist? He was so generous with his power. Uh, he had so much power and was so generous and 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 really such a good mentor to women uh, mm -hmm. in the in the way never scared to mentor a woman never never and early in the eighties he's way ahead he has of the a, curve. There's a group of women he's mentored in a no way kidding. that has been and specifically made sure he did that because he understood they were they there were there were issues. Always had my back. Um, just and I can I can be. Uh, uh, difficult. Di not difficult. No, 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 no difficult. difficult. That's what Scott told me. He yes. said you were difficult. No, I'm not difficult. I'm not difficult. <laughs> I, th I know what I want, and I, uh -huh. I say it very loudly, and I don't, you know, I think, and I do it around powerful people. Like, Rupert Murdoch said time to me, I was like, no. And everyone was like, whoa, what are you doing? <laughs> One point. He, what was the reaction loved, to that? It was, let me tell you the story very quickly. So we would meet with him. Rupert Murdoch loved Walt Mossberg, loved uh -huh. him. He loved reading him. He was thrilled when he bought the journal. Always had Walt to lunch and everything. And I was always with him, right? Like, I was there. But I'm certain Rupert Martin didn't know my name. He thought you were hit Walt's assistant no, or something. No, he knew. He was aware that I was his partner. Yeah. You know what I mean? But he didn't know who I was. Like, he didn't. And so he ne he'd be like, Walt, 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 Walt. Yeah, Walt, how are you? How are you doing? You know, he mumbles in his Australian <laughs> right. accent. I was always with him. And so... He later knows who I am, and he used to call me a lot during the internet thing, like, what do you think of this company? What do you think of that? Which was interesting. I'd get a call at, like, 4 in the morning from Rupert. Rupert's call on the phone. I'm like, all right, uh, sure, whatever. But um, but he, he, we were in the office one day, and he's like, whoa, whoa, and he goes, oh, well, hello. And I go, listen, <laughs> I don't think you know my name, but it's Kara Swisher. Next time I come, I'd like you to say hi, Kara, because I want you to remember my name if you don't mind. But I don't think you know my name right now, and I, I'm sorry to be rude, but I'm just want like why pretend? What was the reaction? He's like, I know your name. I'm like, okay. Well, use it. I said, all right, if you know it, you do. But I don't think you do. He goes, I know it, and I go, all right, I don't think you do. And he was like, Walt was like, stop it, Kara. And the next time you showed up, he knew my name. He said hello. He Cara. always knew my name after That's that. That's very very yeah. funny. Yeah. Let's talk about books. We've touched on a few books, and I'll include your books. Yeah. What are some of your favorite books? Tech, non-tech. Oh, what do you I'm, like? I'm reading. I've been reading the John, Ron Chernow Hamilton book for six years now. Can't finish it. <laughs> Chernow's a great writer. I hear writer. it ends badly. Um, uh, no, no, I it ends Hamilton. in a play Hamilton. on Broadway. It worked out well. I, I saw that early, but I, I think the book is great, and I'm really, I love historical books. I'm right now reading. Um, list, I just finished. Uh, I'll be gone in the dark. Mich Michelle McNamara's uh -huh. book about the Golden State Killer. Just a really interesting. I love dogged people, and she was dog. She and how that person. eventually got yeah. solved. by... Yeah, well, DNA. That's yeah, why it's I was amazing. interested in it. I was, I'm sort of super interested in DNA right now, uh -huh. so I just read that book. Um, but I, it turned out to be a fascinating book. Um, I am reading uh, uh, Taffy Ackner's Fleischman's in Trouble. I had her on the podcast, and I didn't. Fleischman's in Trouble. That yeah, sounds it's, familiar. It's a great novel. She's a great feature writer, and uh -huh. she's trying her hand at novels. Um, I'm, I read a lot of the books I have to do podcasts on. I'm reading Andrew Marantz's book about disinformation because he's going to be on the podcast. Uh -huh. uh, Mike Isaac's book, I'm giving him his book party for the Uber book, although I don't want to know more about Uber. I know a lot about it. You know so. how that ends also. But it's a good book. It's a good book. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, so that's interesting. I read a lot of nonfiction more than fiction. I wish I'd, uh, I read I, – I, I'm reading this book that's amazing, and I'm going to blank on her name, um, Julia – 
Julia, oh, it's going to be Gabby Rivera's new book. It's I can't remember the name of it. Anyway, here, Gabby Rivera's Gary, new book. New book, and it's amazing. It's really wonderful. Juliana takes on something or other. She's she's really great. She's a beautiful writer, uh, and I'm trying to read more fiction because I think it's, everybody wants to read more fiction. It's very not hard stupid to do. fiction. I just really, you know, really I like fiction. They, I mean, for work, don't you have to do a ton? I do of, a ton of uh, reading. I read the internet all day long. Right. I read a lot of stories, um, but I tend to I like I like. Uh, feature writers, some of my favorite feature writers, Jessica Pressler, Olivia Nuzzi. They're all women. It's interesting. Taffy Ackner. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like them all. I, th- I find them really wonderful. I love their writing. I think they're great. Tell us about a time you failed and what you learned from the experience. Failed. Nobody bats a thousand. I don't could look at it as failure. I hate to sound like a Silicon Valley person. but You sound like Ray Dalio, but I just, keep going. I, I don't look at them as failures. I don't think I'm trying to. Well, what did you learn from the experience of something not working out? I don't. I just out? do something else. I have a very good ability just to like, okay, next, next, like, thank you, next. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's, it's. I just don't think of it that way. I don't think. I don't think. I. The only failures I can think of is with my children. Like, I should have. But done, that's a given, also. Right. I should have uh, done more of this. Sometimes, like, I should have made decisions faster. It's all related to my children. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, I think I'm a very good parent. I think I'm a really good parent. Um, so no failures ever. I no, that's not true. Minor just, setbacks. But I don't like. To, well, my dad died when I was five. That's not right. a failure, but it certainly it, it formed me. And I think I was I'm very resilient because of it. Mm-hmm. Even though I would rather be less resilient and him alive. So, uh, you know, sometimes I lose my temper with my mom, and I wish I hadn't. It's a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, but big career failures? No, I think I'm really good at uh, career. I'd have to say I've timed it well. I think, I think I've done a good job on my career for sure. And I, that's in a very and also you know when I had a stroke, I thought. Uh, Wait, what? I had a stroke five, six years ago. Hold on a sec. Wait, so the answer on. to the question, what's the most important thing we don't know about you? Oh, the stroke. People do know about it. I, I did didn't know about that. I did a podcast Listen, I do a ton room. of research into every guest. Yeah, I, I didn't read In Hong read Kong, you. on my way to do a Make Money for Rupert Murdoch. I did an All Things Digital D, China and Asia D with Walt. So from the flight? On the flight, yeah. And it turned out I had a hole in my heart, which... Many people have dated me. Have said, "No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm a, I have pretty good relationships." <laughs> that is a uh, Mark Knopfler song. Yeah, hole um, in my heart. yeah. I had a hole in my heart. It's called a PFO, and I had sticky blood, as I found out through Twenty Three and Me. And mm-hmm. I uh, was sticky on a, blood, sticky, Mediterranean blood. It's a, it's right. a kind of it's a condition where the blood so, stickier. So what was the think, what I'm was the impact of the stroke? It reinforced my feeling that life is short, and you better get going. True, but what was the biological? What, what were the oh, medical side um, effects? I, I like the philosophical. Yeah, I have a hole. In, I mean, I'm with Steve Jobs on that. Um, I had a hole in my heart, and there's nothing I can do about it. It's my. So condition. wait, your stroke was cerebral stroke or it's cardiac? Cerebral. cerebral. If cardiac, I'd probably be dead. So, so you have a stroke with no limitations in. in no, in, it just was amazing. No it cognitive function. No I, physical. For a very short amount of time that day, and then it was done. I was like talking like this. And was the hole in your heart discovered post-stroke investigation? Post-stroke. post-stroke. So you got a little lucky with right. a minor stroke that discovered this. Well, leakage in minor, one of your valves yes. or what no, was no, no. it? No, it was it's a hole in your heart. It's got a PFO and when you're born there's a flap where the amniotic fluid goes back and forth. Right. And when That's people supposed are to close born, up. it closes up. It, it flaps over and then seals. Right. Yours Many never did. Many people doesn't seal. Many so does 20% it leak? of the human race do? doesn't leak. It's just is there. It's just a flap in the breeze. It's flaps and doesn't on a clock got through. A clock, if there's no clock getting through it doesn't matter. So right. I, I'm not a doctor, but 
I did wrote a big column on this actually in the Times. I don't when remember Luke that. Luke Perry died. Oh yes, I yes, wrote that's saying fake. I had a stroke and my brother saved my life. My brother's a doctor, and when I was in Hong Kong and I was talking, how did your brother save you? Well, I was I was there and I suddenly couldn't talk. I had dysphagia, and I right. was like, ah oh, la la. And I was in a hotel room and I was like, well, I can't call anybody, and I felt okay, a little headache. Could you type? Could you? I had a little bit of tingle in my hand, but yeah, I was writing a story about Yahoo, and I was mm-hmm. like, you know, these idiots at Yahoo once again are screwing up or something, right? And <laughs> it was my finger tingled i tried to eat something it fell out of my mouth and then i was like blah, blah, blah. and I'm i was like huh and i thought i had a migraine because i had migraines for years which is a sign of a stroke among women uh-huh. i don't realize it not everybody who has migraines gets a stroke but it's right. one of the signals and and i've been traveling and i thought a lot and i was like oh i just i'm just so tired that's what it is and so i wrote my brother i texted him and it was a different time i think it was in the middle of the night in san francisco and he's an anesthesiologist and he said um, like my father was an anesthesiologist and he he texted me. I went up to breakfast, and by the time I got to breakfast, you know, I'd woken up at four in the morning Hong Kong time, and then I went up or whatever, and then went up to breakfast. By the time it was gone, it was sort right. of talking like this, like I had like teeth surgery. And I and I got up to the thing, and and my brother called. And he says, "Get yourself to a hospital right now. You're having a stroke." And I said, "Are you crazy? Like you're such a bad doctor. How ridiculous! <laughs> How, I'm, I'm I'm you know whatever years old. I was not old, and right. so I think my late forties, and I or maybe fifty. Um, and and it was for late forties. And so he said, "You were having a stroke. Get get to a hospital now, now." And I was like, "Okay." And so I did. And he was right. And I was having a stroke, and it wasn't a minor stroke. It was a stroke. And wow. so you know, all strokes. I mean, there's things and TMI, whatever they're called. Um, and uh, and w- w- they they medicated me immediately, and I didn't have any repercussions. He flew to to Hong Kong immediately, wow. but he saved my life. He did. He did. That that He's amazing. that's amazing. You know, now he's never let me live it down. The day I die. <laughs> That's the trade-off for saving your life. I'm going to hold this over you he's forever. A great doctor. He's um, a great doctor. Tell us what you do for fun. Oh, I don't have fun? What's that? Um, no, I, I have a lot of friends. I have a ton of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I love spending time with my kids. My kids are amazing. My two sons are astonishing. And I'm about to have an, a baby uh, with my girlfriend, who is having a little girl. Uh, so I family. I spend a lot of time with family. I think that's fun for me mm-hmm. doing family stuff. Um, I don't have a lot of weird hobbies. I used to rollerblade. I don't do that anymore. Nobody does. Um, you know, I did Soul Cycle, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to try something else. You, you're out because of it. Yeah. I was going to say Peloton is really the best. I don't need my thousands of dollars. It's right. a lot. It's not a little money. It's not like I get one Starbucks a week. It's right. a lot of money. They're thirty dollars a session. I don't have to give them that money. I, you know, whatever. People can make their own decisions. I don't care. I don't have to. But they can also leave me the hell alone if I want to do something else. Fair so, enough. Um, uh, so I I know it's virtue signaling. I don't care. I don't want to spend the money there. I hate the phrase virtue signaling because really it's an ad hominem attack. It is. It's not about it's, the argument. It's who I am. And people have pushed back about that. And you go back to the person who created the phrase and he describes right. it. As a personal attack against people whose ideas we don't I just, like. I, I just want to do it. Like, leave me right. alone. But, you know, mind your own business and I won't be mine. Hey, who mine. I spend my money right, with exactly. is who it's I'm my money. I work, money. I work so hard and I could Give spend it to Ben anyway. and Jerry's. Uh, okay. No. I mean, I, <laughs> no or to. people who are politically. Whatever. I just, I just want to spend the money where I spend the money. Most things you can't figure. Every, and then they're like, well, this is this. And like, you can't figure everything, but that's a clear one. Right. That's a clear one. Like, I, I get that. I know, he has signaled his virtue. I know virtue. if I eat like a Hershey bar or this money, I, I can't figure all that out, of course. Right. But in this case, this. This guy made a prominent gesture, and I'm going to make a prominent gesture back. So that's, you know, and that's, I, I, there's no lo- logic to it. It's Kara Swisher logic. And by the way, Kara Swisher logic applies to Kara. So. Can, can I tell you, so. there is logic to it. When someone yeah. is going to be a very visible patron of someone whose beliefs not just disagree think, with yours, uh, but 
are By actively oppressing your um, identification. I don't care. I just don't like it. I don't like it. I don't want to give him money. That's all. That's it's, it's not even that complicated. By the way, I feel terrible for Melanie Whalen at Soul Cycle. I'd love to have her on the podcast to talk about it. I think I think the people of Soul Cycle. I'm so sorry that they have to go through this, but you know what? Well, spinning out to a separate entity. Then. I, I was like, I, I want to call Lorraine Jobs and say, Lorraine, who does love Soul Cycle, buy these people buy out from. I do. I but then you're rewarding the I know, bad some behavior. Billionaires. I can do something about it. You know. Yeah, but so, then you're going to reward. You're going to reward his bad behavior. I don't do anything for fun. I hang out with friends. That's that's it. Yeah. Um, tell us what you're most optimistic and pessimistic about your chosen field of technology and journalism. Uh, I am optimistic because there's so much exciting stuff going on and so much innovation happening in journalism. And I think that even though people sort of declare the end, when people were declaring the end of the world on stuff, I remember Barry Diller saying, you know, it's just, it's never that. It's never right. You you can't whine and give up on things like okay, that's been a losing is, bet for five thousand. Yeah, years. you know, and journalists tend to like not check. Like sometimes, like I was talking to someone, they're like, "Oh, this is what's happening, and this is what's happening." I'm like, "Did you check if this is what's happening?" Because <laughs> right. you're just making that up. And so I think you have to really feel, you know, anyone who has children has to believe in the future. Anyone, you know, and I have a lot of children, so I believe in the future. I don't want to have children if I didn't. So what are you pessimistic about? Um, the, the autocracy. I, on one hand, I feel like autocrats always end up dead in a drainage, drainage ditch. I studied the Holocaust quite heavily and mm-hmm. propaganda and stuff in the Holocaust. So you it can get really bad. And mm-hmm. when's the point where it stays bad? And it hasn't so far in our history. There's always someone who looks at Joseph McCarthy and says, have you no shame? And it ends. Like It doesn't end totally, but it stops. The fever stops. You have someone at the, the Salem Witch... Stops. Right, the The <laughs> Salem Witch Trials. They were terrible. They ended. The you know the, I was around when I was formative years. AIDS was terrible during the Reagan administration. The stuff the Reagan administration was doing was appalling. Not good. Yeah. James Watts said trees cause cancer. Whatever. What is he saying? Cause trees cause pollution. Pollution. Do you right. Remember him? Yeah, because like, uh, I was in a state they, of at anger. night they exhale carbon dioxide. Right. Ex- whatever. So James Watt. Wherever. I'm sure he's not living anymore. But he. It was just there's 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 always these people that are retrograde. And and mm-hmm. I use I'll end on this. One of my favorite. Um, I see the, the you know what I do for fun i go to the theater i love i'm seeing moulin rouge tonight and stuff like that have uh, i gotta say have see, you seen to kill a mockingbird I with see jeff all daniels of, of course i did it, i've the, seen everyone uh, that I've just seen, talk I about theater. powerful i love theater it may, mm-hmm. it's transformative for me mm-hmm. as a person i've always since i was a kid my mom brought us it's a real gift my mom gave us to love of theater and so i'm uh i i was i angels in america is one of my favorite ones mm-hmm. and i've seen it at least Tony a dozen Kushner times. Tony Kushner's two yeah. parts. And the end of the play, um, it's a wonderful play. It's such a beautifully written play. And such a time, it's hard in this time to remember it, but it was terrible during the AIDS crisis. Terrible, mm-hmm. terrible, terrible. People dying, these wonderful people dying, mm-hmm. like way before their time. And um, and the last line of the, th- of the thing, they're standing at the fountain in uh, Central Park, the... Um, uh, Bethesda Fountain, mm-hmm. and uh, he, she said, "He's he. The line he gives is the world always spins forward, and this right. is our time. We will not be silent anymore.'" And I remember being a gay person then, just coming out. And you, people don't remember when it was hard to be gay, and it still right. is in many parts of the world. But it's easy. I have kids. It's better know. in the United States. Oh, than it's it was. like you can't believe it. You can't right. believe it. And so I remember that really impacting me very big. The world always spins forward, and that's how I think. You know, everyone's like Trump's going to ruin everything. I'm like, is he? He can't. Well, he'll do damage for four years, and hopefully, right. and then he can't. And like, and we'll fix it. We can fix it. We can pick it up. And I think that's where I get up to. Same thing with journalism. Same thing with anything. Is that people? They always end up these people that want to push us back to old times, which brings people down. 
there are people that stand up and say enough is enough. Right. No more. When is that going to happen? It will. All right. I, I hope you're right. <laughs> Last two questions. And a, a millennial or college grad comes to you and says, I'm interested in a career in journalism. What sort of advice would you give them? Yes. Start writing. Just start, start looking around and start writing. Start reporting. Start writing. So much amazing journalism is being done right now. And again, because these times are harder. Same thing happened during the last time we had something like this. So just get out your pen, whatever. Your tablet, What's whatever. a pen? Just right. whatever. Get out whatever you can and start telling stories. And I think telling stories is the greatest uh, talent that humans have is to tell stories. Hmm. And so, Quite interesting. And our final question. Sure. What so do you know? Questions, Barry. I, I come prepared. All right, Barry. What What do you know about I the like world your name, of Barry. technology? Nobody's named Barry anymore. Uh, they made an HBO special about. That's true. That's a fair so point. Got, but he's uh, a serial killer, right? You know, that's what okay. I used to do before okay. this. My so. son's name is Louis. There's nobody named old Jewish and Louis C.K. Yeah. Well, okay. There you go. No. So you named your <laughs> kid you. after no, Louis no, C.K. No, I did How not. Did my father's happen? name is that Louis. That is a digression my I did not expect. My father's name is Louis. There you go. I did not name it after Louis One of my C. favorite seafood places is Louis in Port Washington. Okay. It's... Port Washington. I grew up in uh, um, Roslyn Harbor. Oh, uh, so I'm in Locust yeah, Valley. Yeah, I'm five yeah. minutes I went to Portledge. Oh, Portledge is literally Privilege. 30 seconds from my Portledge. home. Privilege. I live in- That's where I went to And can school. I tell you, when whenever people visit me, mm-hmm. they're like, I didn't know Long Island was like this. I'm oh, like, I well, love, you oh. made a you made a left and you went to Connecticut. You went this to is Syosset. the This is the, oh, so my sister's kids went to Syosset. That's hilarious. I didn't know you grew up tent. in Roslyn yes, Harbor. Yes, I did. Ah, very interesting. What was I saying? Our final question. What do you know about the world of technology today that you wish you knew However many years, 30 years ago when you first started? I know about it today, but I wish I knew. Gosh, I forget more about technology than most people know. So um, in an hour, um, mm, I don't, I think I didn't quite, un- the damage, I think I sh- wish I'd, I'd understood the damage earlier so I could start writing about it and stopping it. Privacy, social networks, what it. damage? All of it. The idea that these, the, the, the impact on humanity and how, I, you know, I studied propaganda at Georgetown. That was uh-huh. my area of expertise in the Foreign Service School is the uses of propaganda. I should have understood, having studied the Nazis and especially the Nazis, how they use propaganda to, um, to, 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 in the roll up to killing so many people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way they used it, it was not a one-day thing. You can't just slaughter millions. You got to prep for you gotta that. You got to prep it, and you got to get the and, population. And I'm not comparing it to the Holocaust, but there's damage being done that is very—it's a similar thing as how we make people the other. And I think the internet the does other. that. The other, and I think the, the internet, internet is does. very effective at that. It is, and I thought it was going to be Star Trek. I, I thought it was going to be we're all going to have communicators and love each other, and we're all going to be on a ship. But it's both. You have the good and the bad that comes. That's out right. Of it. So the question is: Are you a Star Trek person or a Star Wars person? Star Wars, it's very dark. It's very yeah, dark, and yeah. Star Trek is very hopeful. I was a Star Trek person for far too long. Huh, that's so. very interesting. Fascinating stuff. Thank you so much, Kara, for being Thank so you. generous Thank you, Barry. with your time. We have been speaking with Kara Swisher. She is the founder of Recode. I mentioned you won a Loeb Award, right? Yes, I And did. she writes a weekly opinion column now for the New York Times. If you enjoy this conversation, well, look up an inch or down an inch on all of our previous 250 plus conversations and I'm sure you'll find something that you'll enjoy. Uh, we love your comments, feedback, and suggestions. Write to us at mibpodcast at bloomberg.net. Go to Apple iTunes and give us a lovely review. Be sure to check out my weekly column. You can see that at bloomberg.com. I would be remiss if I did not thank the crack staff that helps us put together 
the easiest podcast to record uh, in podcast land. Charlie Vollmer is my audio engineer this week. Atika Valbrun is our project manager. Michael Boyle is my producer. Michael Batnick is my head of research. I'm Barry Ritholtz. You've been listening to Masters in Business on Bloomberg Radio. Bloomberg Radio.